Footy and Frothies review show round two, 2022, March 21st, 2022. All the going on here. Uh, the full crew's back together. Ollie, Barney, the Gump, all via Zoom tonight uh, in socially distanced manner. Uh, Oliver, how are you feeling, buddy? Uh, I'm feeling a lot better probably as of yesterday. Um, still got a little bit, of, little bit of the sniffles and a cough here or there. But, um, yeah, got two more days of isolation. And then my big return to society will be traveling to the Grey Gums Hotel for our preview show on Wednesday. And I couldn't think of a better way to celebrate coming out of isolation and having COVID. Agree, Ollie. And I look forward to your next coming out party too. Can't wait. Uh, Gumpy, how are you traveling? Yeah, all good, all good. Good round of footy. But um, I think there's a lot more questions than answers mm. in some form of teams and so on and so forth going forward. But hopefully we'll be able to talk some rubbish and maybe – answer some of the questions or have theories about what's going on because, you know, some of it, it's a nightmare, I think, for some teams at the moment. I know it's only two rounds in, but I guess we'll delve into that a little bit more during the show. Barnabas? Oh, I'm, all, I'm all for talking rubbish, mate. We, we can do that two, two or three times a week. I'm pretty good at that. Yeah, no, good weekend. Um, we had our cricket presentation, which... Ended quite messily at two or three o'clock in the morning, but that comes to be standard when you hang around me and Adrian for too long. So you ignored an injury in me, so well done. <laughs> good weekend, good weekend. How about yourself, Dougie? Yeah, very good. No, enjoyable weekend. I really enjoyed this week of footy, except for the obvious. Uh, I managed to watch six games live, and uh, I reckon I really enjoyed five of them. And we'll talk about the other two, uh, for better or worse. But uh, yeah, good to get back to some actual rugby league and. We'll get through all of that as we get into it, fitting well and punching and back to society. So it's going well. Injury news, a major one today. Doing for the, so for the record, obviously, those that have listened for a while and welcome aboard anyone that's new to the show. We've had plenty of new followers jump on because of our fine social media manager, Ollie. Uh, so if it's your first time on board, stick around. You'll hear us analyse each and every game in depth, no doubt, uh, as well as talk some shit in between. But... Uh, Injury-wise, we'll start with that. The major one is Josh Hodgson has now been confirmed ACL, gone for the season, and as well has Matt Dunn. Mitch Dunn? Mitch Dunn. Mitch Dunn. Mitch Dunn, Dunn, ACL as well, Uh, which is pretty incredible to think the spate of ACL injuries that we've had in the first two weeks, and yet uh, we had a cannonball tackle again on a weekend, which resulted in a $1,000 fine. So going well, Leon Arrell. Uh, judiciary news, Jackson Hastings, two to three weeks, depending on what plea he takes. The rest are all fines, including, as I said, a cannonball, which potentially cost a paramount of the game, I believe. So would that be correct? Possibly. Well, at least gave him <laughs> a chance. Uh, not a lot of added, yeah, only Hastings, the main one, which, you know, it was a it was a back slam, but he did put him down in a, in a much safer manner than people that may have attacked his ACL in the last few weeks. But, uh not a lot of other injury news, really. Thankfully, we got Brian through Toh, pretty six Oh, sorry, weeks. there is two. I tell a lie. Uh, this happens. I don't do notes in advance. Toe, six to eight weeks. Again, MCL this time. They reckon Fish will be all right. Is that correct? They said maybe one to two, possibly. He may be okay, but two max. And any other injury okay. news, Gumpy, off the top of your head? No, not off the top of my head. They were the only two that I thought were sort of major. If the Panthers are without Fish for a couple of weeks then both their front rowers are sort of missing. So 
Mm. You know, they're going to have to just try and find a way to win, I guess, with Fish and Toe's go forward gone. Um, you know, they might have to find well, take, some... Yeah, you're taking 400 metres out of their yeah. attack. So they might have, they're, they're going to have to find another way yeah. or just death by a 1,000 cuts and defend. But anyway, we'll get to that game. But I thought that they were probably significant injuries moving forward for, for Panthers. 100%. Uh, I think we covered all the major injuries there. Um, let's, yeah, as I said, not a lot of issue news apart from Hastings. The rest are all fines from what I could see, so we'll, pay, we'll have an update on that. So with the splitting of the shows, we'll start doing Supercoach and PCTC in our preview show on a Wednesday night. Uh, Ollie, any other big news from around the traps that you're aware of? Any big news? Not really, other than, I suppose, in the NRL women's, that's where all the big announcements have been made lately. Uh, competitions expanding to eight teams in 2023, then 2024. Um, it's going to expand to 10. Um, and the State of Origin series is actually going to be a series from next year onwards, but it's going to be a two-game series, which my first thought is, why not just make it three? It makes all the sense in the world, doesn't it? Like, why, <laughs> why, why wouldn't you just make, if you're going to make it two, why not just make it three so we can actually get a series that's not going to be drawn at the end of it um, or not have a chance of being drawn at the end of it. But other than that, yeah, uh, all the announcements and all the big deals are being done in the NRLW at the moment, it seems. Yeah, and there's a bit of scuttlebutt around today around Luke Brooks and around... Uh... Yeah. The Tigers and around uh, someone else wants out of somewhere. A lot of rumours that are going on that um, I haven't paid a lot of attention to, but I'm sure they'll come up as we get into these games. Oh, I suppose, sorry to interrupt, uh, there were reports about Nathan Cleary. I guess that's the big signing mm. report, apparently yeah. re-signing. I think it's until the end of 2027 on $1.1 million a year. I mean, That's probably fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, end of the day, if, if if you're telling me Teddy, Turbo, Cleary, uh, million-dollar players, I'm fine with that. And uh, as you suggested, Gumpy, the other day, Harry Grant won't be far away from joining him. He's the most valuable player in the comp. But at the moment, Harry Grant, he just does things that other people in his position can't do. Particularly when there's actually a spate of hookers right now. There's not, um, no. not top-grade ones. I found it hilarious when in the Fox League commentary when they were – referring to Harry Grant taking on the uh, incumbent Australian hooker because that was chalk and cheese. Absolute. That was a masterclass to the point where, well, let's get into it, to the point where um, Havili played the last half hour. So uh, should we get into our match reviews? Let's do it. We kicked off 15-14, the Storm beating the Rabbitohs. And I'll let you have the stage, Barn. Yeah, so three tries apiece. One out of three conversions for the Storm. Played zero out of three for the Rabbits. Uh, one out of one one-point field goal for the Storm and one out of one two-point field goals for South. 69% completion to the Storm, 61 to the... Oh, sorry. Yeah, 61% to the Rabbits. 29 out of 42 sets. Played 29 out of 47 sets. South actually had 460 uh, running metres more than the Storm and 100-plus post-contact metres which um, really didn't look like it for the majority of this game until the Storm switched off. (laughs) Three line breaks to five, 24 tackle busts to 39, 16 offloads for the Storm, eight to Souths, two forced dropouts to zero, zero 40 20s, 361 tackles for the Storm, 321 for Souths, one ruck infringement apiece, one inside the 10 for both teams, 10 penalties conceded by the Storm, four conceded by Souths. 18 errors to 19, two sin bins for the Storm, 
Josh King with 51 tackles, Cook with 53 tackles, Grant with 145 running metres, and Campbell Graham with 169. Munster missed 10 tackles and made 24, and Walker missed four tackles and made 17. Who wants first crack at this? Ollie, welcome back to the show. Yeah, I'll go first. Uh, I remember saying to you guys when it looked like South City might be coming back to win, and I said I'd be absolutely disgusted if South City won this game because they were god-awful for the majority of it. I mean, that point in the second half when they dropped below a 50% completion rate. I mean, we like even in the like the worst teams usually don't drop below <laughs> 50% completion rate, at least not often. At least the Tigers are 61 <laughs> this is well this is a team that was in the grand final last year a team that's still on paper at least probably better than a lot of teams in the competition and to put on that performance they're just lucky that melbourne were off if you will um i'm a bit surprised looking at the stats now because they ended up with a 61 percent completion rate so exactly like your Tigers, um, Melbourne 69%, but they both completed 29 sets. Uh, South Sydney just had five extra sets in total, which was a bit of a surprise. But it just seemed that every single time there was like a wide open gap for Alex Johnston, I think it was, to score, he'd be past the ball and just drop an absolute sitter. Or Melbourne would make a mistake and two minutes later, South Sydney would, and Melbourne would make said mistake about 20 metres out from their own line especially for uh, the first 20 minutes of the second half. It seemed like South Sydney just consistently got really good chance after really good chance after really good chance and just kept blowing it. And I suppose with about 10 minutes to go, they capitalised on it. They scored three tries and they managed to make a game out of it. And we went to Golden Point. I guess sort of the question I'd pose to you guys is if South Sydney were playing that bad but were still able to come back, or I know a lot of the attention has been on South Sydney, but what about Melbourne? because they really should have put South Sydney to the sword here. Like, honest, this should never have been a, a golden point game with that performance that South Sydney put on. I still, look, I still don't know what to think of the game. For the first 60 minutes, it was under 14s against under 8s, and it really should have been 40 nil. Like, in Melbourne, I'd, it was un-Melbourne-like to not be ruthless and finish it off. I, I, I don't know, but I think a couple of times in the box, and I know that Craig Bellamy sort of goes off and is very animated, but there was a mistake made when they were comfortably in front 14 mil, and he sort of stood up and walked away. And I think maybe he saw something in the team, maybe related to effort or little one percenters or something that he expects that he wasn't seeing. Because I think even at that point, he thought, oh, if they get some opportunities here, we could be in trouble. Um, I think that South at Cohen's, their comeback coincided with Jack moving Jackson Paulo from centre to wing. It's very obvious that Jackson Paulo is not a centre in the NRL. He's, he, look, he's fine on the wing. He's a good finisher. He's okay under the high ball. So I would have him in the side on the wing, but in the centres, he got in the way on that, on that left side of the field. Well, he yeah. just got in the way and was sort of stopping the attack. So I don't know moving forward what they do in in their centre, who they put there. Um, Milne was fine there. I don't even but remember what they did for the rest of the game, who they put there in that last 20 minutes when they moved Jackson Paulo to the wing. They I don't put, even they put Tane, uh, Tane Milne there. That's right, Tane Milne went into the centre. So maybe Tane Milne plays centre for them this week. Um, 
in there. I don't know where, if Blake Taft comes back, whether he's an answer in the centres because of his defence. They probably want to play him because he's, he's a good player and I think he's in their top 17, but they can't play Paulo there. And still in the forwards, they... And I don't believe the run meter stat either. I know it's true because Barney's said the stat, but they must have run for the extra 500 metres in the last 10 minutes because in the first 60 minutes or the first half, there's no way they were within Bulamakanka of it. Like the, the forward performance in the first half, they were kidding. Like every time Jesse Bromwich got the ball, he offloaded and Nelson that he offloaded. They looked like Arthur Beetson. They're good players, but seriously, like the first half Souths in the forwards were just so bad. They got better in the second half. Look, as Ollie said, they're a really good side. They're a good, still a good side on paper. Latrell needed the run. Like Latrell was still good, but needed the run. Yeah. Cody Walker at the moment's just not influ- hasn't been influential in either game that Seas have played. I don't know whether that's a not having Reynolds thing. Um, I did hear rumours today that about the Luke Brooks that he's asked for a release and they're starting to mention Souths as, as a possible destination for Luke Brooks. Um, surely that's, that that, surely that's best, to be honest, that's best best possible outcome for both teams. <laughs> well, let's just see how that plays out. Like, actually, as a Bulldogs fan, I wouldn't mind having Luke Brooks there because I think all they need is a seven that's going to pass the ball and can... Doesn't miss tackles. Because they've got Burton yeah. and, and just can does tackle. his job and can tackle because Avarillo's not quite there. So, you know, it wouldn't worry me if he went there either. I think that, you know, but anyway, I'll let you guys talk about this game a bit more because still, I'm still not sure what to think about it. <laughs> In the end, I'm not sure. Barney? How Cameron Murray starts on the bench, I'll never know. Uh, that first 15 minutes directly correlated with him not being on the field. And Melbourne went straight through the middle, whereas where that's he makes two and three tackles in every single set through the guts when the big guys are coming at him. He might not be knocking them on their ass, but he's wrapping their legs up or he's wrapping the, that offload up and he's stopping that go forward for, for the opposition. So how he, that bloke's not playing 60, 70, 80 minutes every game, I have no idea what, what happened there. I, some sort of inspiration came to the coach and he decided to put him on the bench, but it definitely hurts South to start this can't game. Be fit. That's the only logical. It didn't seem to me like he was missing well, much I mean. once he got okay. out there. Like, I can't imagine. Why, why are you trying to protect Cameron Murray? Like, yeah, I don't know. Um, Cook's just getting eaten up in defence. He has done for the last couple of years. He's got nothing in attack because they just run at him all day. And without Murray and you know, without Murray and somebody else on his outside, he's making one-on-one tackles in the middle of the field. He's only a small bloke, and you've got blokes like um, Nelson and Sofa Solomona and Bromwich running directly at you. That's going to gas you out pretty quick. And as you mentioned, he was he was gone for the last half an hour of the game, so he was well and truly cooked by, by come second half. And that was when South actually started to get a bit of a, a roll on in that last. There was probably ten minutes after half time because they were well and truly out of this game, as you mentioned in the first half, and probably should have been thirty points behind going into half time. Yeah. Um, the fact that I think you mentioned um, Bellamy's blow up. I think that more came about with just the connection between Harry Grant and the halves because Harry Grant was, he was pretty much everything in Melbourne's attack in that first half an hour of this game. And that link between Munster and Hughes just didn't seem to be smooth at all during this game. It was very clunky. Yeah. And um, yeah, go on. Oh, do you want to let it finish? Or you want to? 
Sorry. <laughs> now, honest, now, when you mention a connection, there's actually a disconnect. And yeah. you know, as a parent, is that Munster and Pappenhausen think they're playing the same role. Uh, yeah, now yeah, Munster's yeah. fit. It, look, look at the disallowed try. They're both going for the same ball. I agree it was disallowed. I'm not going to go down that path. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he shouldn't be. It was offside. But they're both, ne- they're both now running for the same lines, trying to get the same chases and the same ball through. And mm-hmm. they're now getting each other's way. It was actually pretty apparent a couple of times. Um, and then they'd either say, pull him up and say, come on, Cam, that's that's Pappy's job or vice versa. But I felt mm-hmm. like it happened a few times, uh, even when I'm trying to hit yeah, the right through. Um, Munster seemed to play a little too close to the middle as well. If you're going to Which play 5'8", you really want to yeah. be on the outside of Jerome Hughes. And Jerome Hughes is going to have to play both sides of the field for this team's attack to come back to where it was at the back end of last year. Um, and just straighten them up and then let you, you know, you've got Pappy on the inside of you, Munster on the outside and, you know, a couple of big centres out there and wingers that can finish. So, um, yeah, I think they they weren't direct enough. Harry was really strictly the only one that was going direct through the ruck and it was working for them, but they just didn't put on enough points in that first half and it almost cost them really because yeah. they, they absolutely switched off for the last half an hour of this game. Well, I, I reckon the disconnect comes from the fact too that they don't have that 13, that's a ball player. Mm-hmm. That that the teams yeah. that look a little bit more connected. Which they will, in theory, they will, ha- they will have when Cheese comes back, in theory. That's what I mean. But yeah. I, at the moment, they don't have that 13. That's like even South, when they became really cohesive, was when Murray was getting the, the playmakers wider and they were straightening it up. So the teams that are looking more connected to have that 13 that's sort of in that role and is playing it really well. Yeah. Um, so having had the weekend to think about this and watch some of the games since, were Souths very bad? Melbourne not as bad, but were smothered by the fact Harry Grant's a superstar. Because, geez, he did a lot in this game. Probably. Maybe when you look back and look back at, I'm also looking, playing through some of the other games where teams came back. Maybe it was an average game of footy that was dominated by a superstar and made the rest of the Melbourne team look better. Probably right. Uh, what that then means is, and he's going to dominate. If this is the case, if this is the standard across 12 teams, then Harry Grant's going to be a very good player this year. Like, what what can you say? Yeah. Well, I'm happy with him as my Dally M pick on that performance. Oh, well, he's going to be getting three points more often than not, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, incredible. Uh, Hunter, he, he led the run meters by only 145 run meters for uh, equal with Kafusi. What do you make? 40 tackles. And they were all legs tackles too, Harry Grant. He, oh. he, he, you don't even notice. There was one, there was one just before half time and it was, was a picture. It was, per, it was a picture perfect. Chop him down about 10 meters out. Jeez, he's a good player. <laughs> Wish he stayed at the Tigers. Um, <laughs> You mentioned Paulo before. If you're if their one play is, and they're clearly their one play is, the left side sweep because mm-hmm. obviously that's all they train because it's the only play they actually played all night when they had ball yeah. souths. Why wouldn't you just put Campbell Graham on the left side and well, just go? Well, we're we're chips in here. You know you're gonna. You know it's coming. We're gonna play it anyway. Just put the the New South Wales centre over there because if they do, they probably win the game if Campbell Graham's on that side. They did sort of start their comeback by going to the right, actually. Um, Campbell Graham started making some inroads. He was, and and he was very good. He was probably South's best. They got a bit of quick play the ball off him, sort of half-busting tackles, and then they'd go back to the left. 
Um, realistically, for me, the instant fit is um, tough to fullback and Latrell to set to left center. Hundred percent. I know Latrell's not going to be happy with it, and it's yeah. going to be a hard conversation to have with him. But if you want this team running on the best attack that they can provide, it's I think it's pretty simple. Latrell goes to center. Tough slips in and around Luttrell the middle. To the only reason so, they won't no is because it'll be perceived as a demotion. It'll never There's ever no happen. No way Latrell will go to center. No way in the world they could be 0 and 7 and Latrell still won't go to centre. Because he won't. Well, not that. It'll be an admission of... The rookie coach will not put Latrell to centre because if it's two games and it doesn't work, he's gone. Yeah. It's it's career suicide for him. So he's just going to have to bank on the the centre he puts there can just do the job. So you know what the next answer will be? will be that Ilias is going to be the one to cut the bullet. They'll move Latrell to six, play Cody at seven, and put Tafe at one, and they'll back that. And that's I think that's coming. I think it, it, the the drummer's already beating before the season that Latrell wants to play six. And he'll probably get his way. And well, he probably he, and he probably should. But he's got to have to do a lot of defence in the front line suddenly again. And Absolutely. Well, um, at the Roosters, I thought Latrell was always good when he filled in at six. And I was surprised when he first signed with South Sydney, I, I sort of thought, well, not, sorry, not when he first signed with South Sydney, but when there were first the rumours that he was leaving the Roosters, my mind was he's leaving to play 5-8 somewhere because he was really good when filling in in that position. So He wanted one because, he, yeah, he, in his mind he wanted one, but he probably is a six. He's got a boot on him. I don't, I don't know about him. It won't help Souths, but... That's where they'll think it. I don't know that he. I don't know he, he does enough. I don't know that agree, he's yeah. going to have to do a lot more work before I'm convinced he's a six. You know what he is? He's the best center in the game that won't play center. You're probably right. He's the best center in the game, full stop, and he doesn't want to play center. Yeah. Anyway, uh, do we have any takeaways for players? Oh, the best for, best players for Souths, I thought, were Murray, um, Campbell, Graham and Cook. They were probably the best three standout performances, even though Cook missed the last 20 minutes, half an hour. I actually thought Havili's um, service, not saying he's the best, but Havili's service was quite good. He was pretty Yeah, he's tough. definitely serviceable, and I'm surprised they don't play more minutes in the back row either because mm. you can get 50 to 60 minutes out of that guy, but um, they do what they do. Um, Arrow and Tatola and Luttrell were probably the only other three from South that were really worth mentioning. Um what do you say? Hughes, Remis, and Pappy were pretty decent. Munster and Naz, but it's the man of the match has to be Harry, doesn't it? Three yeah, points I, all around. Don't you think there's? Uh, he should just get six. I don't think there's any point <laughs> debating that. But um, Pappy, no, Pappy was good, and and I, I was actually blown away. He he's just in everything. He's just an energizer, buddy. 80th minute, he's chasing bombs. He's uh, and we didn't even mention the field goal. Uh, and nor the trails field goal. Uh, which he carried on enough after he'd missed three kicks earlier, which are all easier. And um, but Pappy's field goal, uh, he can ice it. He was he's it was cool pretty too much because he had plenty of pressure on him. Yeah, he, he, just, he stepped and was running when he kicked it. So yeah, it's a decent, uh, decent. But just God, I don't think there's a fullback in the game that puts out more effort than he does. No, yeah, the closest option. Yeah, he's involved a lot, minute by minute. He'd have the most. Him or Teddy. Him or Teddy, Teddy would have as many and we'll possessions as each other, I think. But just but he's kick chases, he's in every bomb, he's there, every chip he's anyway. Three points, Harry, let's move on. 
uh, and I had Murray and Naz for two and three, but I had Pappy for one. But um, what did you say, Murray have... for three? Murray for two. Okay. Anyone else? I had um Kafusi two and Bromwich one. Yeah, I thought Jesse Bromwich was really yeah. good. Yeah, I was. I was all. Um, I was all Melbourne for them. But I thought Jesse Bromwich was really good early in the game. Okay, let's go. All right. How's this sound? And Barney, you're allowed to kick up a stink. Three Harry, two Jesse, and we'll give one to Cam Murray if you if that's what you want. Yeah. I thought yeah. Pappenhausen deserved at least a point out of this, but we'll talk about the Daily MJ. Yes, no, wait, let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> let's talk about the Daily M judges though. Like how bad was some did you see the points from this week? That yeah, some of them are some nonsense. They don't like they just go, Oh, they won the halves should probably get the points. Anyway. Dragons 16 went down to Penrith 20 at Jubilee. But three tries apiece, two out of three conversions for the Dragons, three out of three for Penrith, and one out of one penalty goals for Penrith. 65% completion for the Dragons, 68 for Penrith. 27 out of 41 sets played 26 out of 38. Three line breaks for both teams. 25 tackle busts played 32. Nine offloads to seven. Uh, two force dropouts by the Dragons. And the 40 20, 306 tackles by the Dragons, 386 by Penrith. Three ruck infringements against the Dragons, and one inside the 10 against Penrith. Six penalties conceded to seven, 14 errors for the Dragons, 12 for Penrith, two sin bins. Uh, Jack DeBellum with 37 tackles, Appy with 49, Ravalawa with 180 run meters, and Isaac Targo with 186. Jaden Sewer made nine tackles and missed six. And Kikau made 32 and missed five. How do you have a back row missing, uh, what? Six tackles six. out of nine and making nine, yeah. Gumpy, what would you make of this? <laughs> it was a bit like the Thursday night game. Like, it got to a point where St. George probably should have only won the game and Penrith never really looked like losing it for most of it. Mm. It, was, it was a really funny kind of game in that. I thought that, you know... Penrith, I thought St. George were actually quite good. Um, I, I, and we've mentioned it before, the Lomax-Ravalawa combination on that side of the field is is really good. Um, ben Hunt is going well. The, the forwards sort of, I think, again, I think the size of the St. George pack probably affected them a little bit. I think Penrith, when they got that run on, the roll on that they found it really hard to stop. Um, Tago continues to impress for Penrith. I think the fact that t- they lost Tawa and Fisher Harris probably during the game makes a, a big difference when when Nathan Cleary's not there. Maybe makes the scores a little bit closer than they should have been. But again, and this is the last week I'm going to talk about refs and bunkers because I smashed them last week. But You've still got now, some of your sleeve for the Bulldogs, haven't they? But there's new issues now in the game with the kicker being tackled after he kicks the ball. Now, some of these ones over the weekend, and I'm a Bulldog supporter, and the penalty that they got was yeah. farcical on the, the Carrigan one was one, a, The Carrigan one was a disgrace. That was an there was one disgrace. in this game that a player got sin-binned yeah. for one that wasn't really at the legs, wasn't really dangerous. They made a tackle. But when you slow it down, everything looks late. 
So they're, they're, they're slowing these things down to make it look like it's happening three seconds after it's happened. Yep. Uh, they've, they've got to be allowed to put pressure on the kickers. Can you imagine Nathan Cleary's kicking game if there's no pressure on him yep. to kick a ball? Well, or why not play Milton? NFL or Matt Burton's laid a bomb anytime he wants? It's Correct. A- so, look, it's, a, it's another problem now for the game in terms of, okay, what's this? It's being over-policed or whatever. It, I just – some of the same problems come up, but this is now a new one. And I'll get to the Bulldogs game because there's two major problems in that game that is, is, is now becoming – it's farcical. Like, I don't know what they're going to do because they set these precedents with things and they – go on with them for a couple of weeks and then they drop off and then you get the odd penalty that'll come up like this round. There, there wasn't one that I noticed penalty for not playing the ball right. Yeah. So they had a heap in the trials. They had three last week in round one, not one this week. So you can't tell me that every player in the game improved in a week <laughs> and is now putting their foot on the ball or making an effort to play there the ball. There was a million of them. There was so about that's 20 what I mean. in the so first game. That's what I mean. So these things, they've either got to get the basics right or forget about it. And I don't – look, I don't have an uh, And in, in, in my problem with it, and I sound like a broker, I've been out of six weeks now, is – Cannonballs are still fined. You're worrying yes. about Mickey Mouse shit and you're worrying about the Carragher one especially where he caught Avarillo, picked him up and patted him on the head and went back and got penalised for it. Yet, you're, yet uh, was it Ray Stone's allowed to come in and take some, chop someone's knee out? Well, correct. Yeah. Like, there's a big difference in what Carrigan did and what the St George play did. And I don't even remember the player that it was now because... It, I'm yeah, just yeah, shaking yeah. thinking it doesn't matter who it is. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. But again, different players do different things. Like in early in the Bulldogs game, Pangai was put on report for a late attack on a kicker. Yeah. Well, he didn't do anything. He ran in and he tackled him. But because it's Pangai, they've put him on report. I agree with that well, too. Yeah. Every player what came that that? on the weekend should have been put on report. If that was a reportable thing, so it's different in every game. Yeah. I'll quickly go to the Bulldogs game with the bunk while I'm on it, and I'll have my rant, and then I won't mention it again. Go on. The try that the Broncos scored, where Herbie Farmworth burnt Ockenbore, and he burnt Ockenbore fair and square, but an attacker ran on outside of Braden Burns' shoulder and touched him. Well, that's no try. In 99 out of 100, they've made that rule perfectly clear. If you run on the outside shoulder and you touch the bloke, the only thing that Braden Burns did wrong is he didn't fall over and put his hand up in the air and say, he knocked me over. I couldn't believe that either because that left a massive hole where Braden Burns would have been. Correct. So it was the same as the Penrith one the first week that got disallowed on Kieran Foran, exactly the same, and it was different in each game. Now, that's cost a team, the game, and maybe the coach's career if they happen to go one and seven for the next few games. Now, the second one in that game, you can't take a ball off a player one-on-one strip when he's on the ground. Raiden Burns was on the ground. You can't take a ball from someone then. Like, if there's three blokes on and they're on the ground and two get off, one bloke can't take the ball off him, and that's what they did. Yes, Like, he's got to be standing up. I think the strip rules are joke anyway. I think if there's three in the tackle and two drop off, one shouldn't be allowed to take it 
Anyway, it's got to be a one-on-one tackle Absolutely. where the bloke takes the ball. Yeah, so, again, they've made the rule far too complicated and then it's ridiculous. And, and you, all you're doing is opening – All you do by making it more complicated is open it to interpretation where bloke – where you're looking at when does the fingertip fall off someone? To yeah, especially when you got two or three blokes in there and they're wrestling for ten seconds, and then yes. you let him, you let one of them take and the teams, ball. Teams specifically trained to go, "Yep, I'm on," and then team. hold him up, hold him up. Yeah, yeah. got it. So Let now, go. if a team does that this week, will it be allowed? My answer probably is no, not. probably not. It, no. won't, it won't be in in seven out of eight games next week. It won't be not allowed. on the so, ground. It won't. No. So, so there's two tries in that game. And I'm not blowing up because I'm a Bulldog supporter. In the end, Brisbane won the game. They were probably better on balance for the game anyway. They probably, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it, it, it's 50-50. But two tries that I don't believe are tries, and I think that teams that aren't at the top of the ladder don't get the run of the green in these games. Well, in a 50-50 like, game, you get two calls go like that. You've got yeah, every right to blow up. Mate. That's right. I'd like to see stats on teams that are at the bottom of the ladder and how many it's been done, and Ed, you're 100% right. I think it was done two years ago, and it the stats were preposterous. It was like so it was so far in front of the favorite teams that it wasn't funny, yeah. But, but it, was in, the, it was in the high 60s, if not higher. That's my rant on it. There was an issue. The with only other one, sorry, just, the only other one that I'll just bring up now, well, because you just sparked me, is when Chris Randall lost the ball in the Tigers game, and I go and I have it back and play the ball. Because there's a HO over there. Yep. After the bloke was screaming for a set to stop the game, they go back and reset it after he loses the ball and go, now you've lost the ball on the line. Go back and play at the 10 meter line. Well, Ollie's a Titan supporter. Ollie, you must have been throwing stuff at the TV when the Warriors try was allowed. There's no way he scored. He dropped the ball into the bloke in front of his leg. But the bunker, they've got one job. Like yeah. they've got, they've got one job to do to get it right. They're spending millions and millions of dollars, and they've got a monkey in there, yeah, making the yeah. like it's like Ollie. What do you think? Like as a Titan supporter, when that was allowed, what are you seriously thinking as a fan? Well, yeah, well, I didn't agree with the call at all. Like, uh, I don't necessarily think it happens overly often in terms of bunker 50-50 bunker calls against the Titans. They just don't happen as much. But it's like you're pretty much saying what Justin Holbrook said in the post-match interview from Parramatta, saying that, well, if it's a 50-50 call, we're going up against one of the better teams in the comp, that team's probably going to get the call go their way. So this is definitely something that the coaches are aware of too, it seems. Because Barrett thinking. raised it too. In like, yeah. but, but that game too, the Titans have won that game by two. So it's a lot closer yeah. than it should have been. That wasn't a try. No. Like the, the one that the the Warriors scored, it wasn't a try. And no. if if it doesn't, all of these decisions don't stand the pub test. None of them. If we if we asked all the listeners now and we listed the big item from each game that was wrong, and there was one in every game, and we and we had a hundred people, ninety nine p- people would say that it was wrong. Yep. So I don't know what they're looking at. I, I, yeah, look, we've followed footy all of our lives and we love footy. I don't know what the rules are. Now, I, I follow the game and I don't know what I'm watching. I don't know what I'm looking at because it's different every game. Yeah. And, and, and it's it's great, like, even between us, like the uh, 
the Melbourne no try, I had no issue being no try, and then half our chat thought it was a try. Well, I, I think it's a try because of the rule. Yeah. Well, it's like even um, – I know it's a bit less of an example because he did lose the ball right before it got grounded, but that Katoni Staggs disallowed try, right, the one where Reynolds threw it between his legs and that. I'm pretty sure – not off, but I'm pretty sure I've seen that awarded before. Like – that, and and the Stefano try, they're exactly the same. And yeah, I actually they call, they at least so consistent. Yeah. But I've seen that awarded. Yeah, yeah. all the yeah. time. All that's, the time. that's what I mean. So it's a different. So Broncos supporters probably listening to this saying, "Oh well, Matt, you're on the pipe." Stags, as you said, there were two tries Brisbane didn't score. Maybe we'll give them one yeah. because Stags won in a lot of times would have been given a try. Yeah, yeah, like. The the referee well, any like, any year ago Stefano's was a try and Tiger it would have been fourteen six and you never know you know it's well yeah. I'll, I'll tell you something that I idea. think we should make the rule the referee doesn't go and point for a try anymore it's what's the point yeah the bunker looks at them all anyway so the try scored and the ref just makes a different signal and they put his shrugs his shoulders <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. probably a good one yeah, yeah. send it to the button. well that's what's happening <laughs> it happens he, anyway he, well. yeah. he goes do it try yeah and then because it actually does it actually does seem the fans in the stadium are waiting one minute and then to say try confirmed well it does now seem that um benefit of the doubt doesn't matter it, it hasn't mattered in these bunker stuff because they're just referring oh no no try whereas there's been well, a, at least a couple where no try so of course if you're a supporter of a team of and they award a try, so why as soon as they go to the bunker, you might as well take the four points off yeah. and go to the 30-metre line to get ready for a 20-metre race or whatever the race and I've said, it's like It's like when a steward's put an appeal in, I've said it before, or a protest in. Like, you just know you're done. So just why put up the try not confirmed? Just go, right, back here, he's knocked it on. Why, why hold the it? game up for a minute and a half? There's been five or six times over the first two rounds where they're lining up a kick and then the bunker gets involved and they stop the time and they go back and the tries disallowed. Like it's just it, it, Yeah. You know what? We you watch the game to be entertained, and I think the standard of footy is great over two rounds, but I'm finding myself not overly entertained and really frustrated. Because you're like, yeah, I know and, that and my now it's is, what are you watching it for? You're screaming at the TV and you're doing yeah. like you're gonna give yourself a heart attack. Well, is it worth watching? If I'm gonna give myself a heart attack, we will watch something else that's not pissing me off. Go and watch the water boy or happy Gilmore or something like <laughs> I can have a laugh. Yeah. Reruns of those shows rather than me getting stressed out at, at this nonsense. 100%. You could say you could say that the bunker is the devil. Well, 100%. We're taking a breather. We'll Let's have a breather, okay? Hey? So uh, I'll make a point of I – thought, I thought the Dragons were getting owned until Fisher-Harris went off, and then it felt like they clawed back into it. Were able to, they, looked, they looked good in the back half, but for at least the first 20-odd minutes, Penrith were all over them. looked like it could have been anything, and they just uh, – once you take, uh, like I said, 2-0 and fish off the field – um, Dragons found enough to come back with Dragons. They're probably not far from a, a, a decent top eight team. They've got Attack, they've got Spark. Their forwards match up. Jaden Stewart, Sewer apparently did not very much, looking at the stats, but um, no, Jack Bird doing a good job. Blake Laurie's having a good season. Uh, two two games in, but is, really yeah. having a good season, Barn. Uh, what are you making of this year? Oh, again, as you said, um, Penner probably should have been 20, 30 points ahead at half time, but... Um, 
you got to give a bit of kudos to the outside backs for the Dragons because there was times there where they were literally um, they were shot at times and Penrith looked like they were going to stroll over and score in the corner, but they scrambled well and managed to keep Penrith out a couple of times in that first half. When And instead of going in at halftime, you know, being down by 20-odd, they weren't far behind and their forward pack did enough to keep up, especially, as you mentioned, with the loss of um, Fisher-Harrison. There was a couple of guys in that Penrith pack that probably played a little bit below par than what they um, what they have done recently. Yeah. Um, I was impressed with uh, Spencer Lino. I thought he probably had one of the best games I think I've seen out of the young fella since he started his NRL career. Um, Kikau obviously had a lot to play for his 100th game and um, he he backed it up. He played really well. Um, he seemed to play a lot straighter than he has. Sort of, He didn't worry too much about trying to get around people. He just put his head down and ran straight at him and Good luck when a big fellow like that decides that he's going to do that. Um, Dragons are pretty impressive. Um, so ben Hunt, is, we mentioned it last year and again this year. His first two games this year have just shown that he's a top-class halfback and he's probably right up there at the moment as one of the better ones running around. I don't think he will, but like if, if the trend keeps going, his name should be well and truly in front of DCE for the Queensland. Definitely is at the Same. moment, yeah. Um, if Jack Bird was slightly bigger than what he is, he'd be a very damaging back rower. Um, still the same. He's that little bit slighter, but he's still making a big impact on most of the, or the two games that he's played this year. And he actually came home pretty well at the end of last year. Um, Jack DeBellin seems to be picking up his form a little bit. Uh, he's still, To me, he still looks a fraction unfit. Um, obviously, the three years out of the game is not going to help you with that. But... Um, it looks like he's on his way back and um, he could be putting up some really big numbers shortly. Sully's impressed me as well from the Dragons. Um, he's He looks like a, um, a really good attacking weapon and I think they need to try and isolate him a little bit more, give him a bit more early ball and some one-on-ones and he might, um, might score quite a few tries in that team. But um, oh, I think the most... Impressive young kid at the moment is Isaac Targo. Two games in a row where he's been near the best player on the field and... He looks like he's got spiders on him at times. Blokes just don't want to tackle him. <laughs> well, they try, but they just can't get hold of him. He moves really well. Um, he runs like a back rower. And he's not scared to get him to do the hard stuff out of his back end as well. Um, you notice when Toto went off, he was the guy who was roughing it out when um, they were in, in bad field positions. So, Clearly um, led the run meters for the game. Yep. Uh, McCulloch was... Not bad again. The Broncos could probably use with use a, a hooker of McCulloch's stature, even though they got rid of him and then had the chance to sign him and didn't sign him again. That's probably something they wish they'd taken back. But um, yeah, Dragons did really well to hold on and not get blown out of this game. Um, Panthers sort of shut up shop again in the last 20 minutes of this one. But uh, it's kind of still a different class. You can still see that realistically when the game's on the line, they're, they're better than most other teams that are running around. So. Oliver? Oli, Daggy? Uh, well, I was really impressed more than anyone else. And it sort of, um, I guess, uh, sound like a bit of a broken record here, but Isaiah Yo, I thought overall was the best player on the field, just in both attack and defense. It's the way he's able to step up when Nathan Cleary's out and help out um, the likes of um, Sean O'Sullivan. I remember I said it two weeks ago um, that uh, he was going to be the one to sort of stand up and not take over the halves role, but help out O'Sullivan a bit. And 
O'Sullivan's been getting a lot of credit and he has been well and a lot of people have been getting giving him praise and I think he has Isaiah to thank a lot for that. He's been giving him some good help there in attack and if he goes down for Penrith, let's say, especially now with Toto and Fisher-Harris out, I think that's Just to cut in, is a, the flip side of that is where's Luai at? Yeah, true. He's, he just seems to be floating around in the background, realistically. Yeah, and Gumpy, thoughts? Yeah, he just, he's not a... He hasn't felt like a factor. Since Origin 3 last year, really, like after Origin 3, once he came back. Yeah, he's just... Yeah. And I get, that yeah. it's, I get that it's Nathan's team, but these are the games. If you go back 12 months, these are the games he was tearing teams apart. Yeah. And he's just just floating. It feels like to me, but carry on, Ollie. Yeah, well, he was my big standout. Um, Isaiah, yeah, I, I thought Kikau in his 100th game also He's put in a really good effort, probably one of his better regular season performances for a, a while from that bloke. And, yeah, Ben Hunt. I mean, there are certain players who we sort of hone in on or the media sort of zeroes in on, and, you know, they they need to stand up against the big teams, if you will, to really have an impact for their side. But we don't hear too much about Ben Hunt because he's at the Dragons, right? And it's not... Like you necessarily expect one player to step up and have that huge performance against a big team because, well, his team's not expected to win anyway. But Ben Hunt's sort of that different quality of character, I guess I'm saying, where um, he does step up and perform well against these really good sides, like against Penrith, whereas some other uh, players that we might see in sort of higher esteem, Oops. not necessarily other halfbacks, but other players who don't do that to the same level he is able to. And I think that's a credit to him. Yeah. Oh, he absolutely has to be congratulated. The amount of shit that bloke cop since the Broncos grand final where he dropped that kick off. Like, don't get me wrong. That bloke could have just gone into his shell and never been seen again. You, you know, he'd be playing park footy somewhere and he's fought back. And over the last, I'd say, probably two years, he's been more than solid. He's been a better than, you know, better than the majority of halfbacks running around. So I agree yeah. with Molly 100%. And I probably would have given kick out three points. Except these last twenty minutes, I think he had four handling yeah. errors, <laughs> like at which were crucial in St George sort of getting back into the game and Penrith not being able to close it out. I think he was probably trying a bit too hard. Absolutely, he was, he was at a ten out of ten effort, and then I think probably trying too hard to keep the ten out of ten and maybe made it an eight. And and Yo, he probably pipped him there yeah. at the post and and a, and a Tago possibly. But yeah, I agree with what you guys have said with the the standout players. I left Appy out and Yo just because I wanted to mention them as we get to the points. Um, I thought Appy is unlucky to miss out on my 3-2-1. Um, he's there, thereabouts. He's played two super impressive games to start this year and um, he's got to be up there in the, if talking about the top three or four hookers running around at the moment, he's, he's definitely in that conversation. And Yo just looked like a different class to pretty much everybody else on the field, um, minus yeah. maybe Ben Hunt and Kikau when he was rampaging Hasn't, through the middle. Wasn't Origin the best thing to happen to him? He just now yeah. realised he's the man. And I think, as you mentioned with um, Luai, I think because Yo plays that little bit too central for Luai, he needs to be that little bit wider. So once you see someone like um, Cleary come back and they're both digging into the line and playing straight and then giving early ball to Luai out the back, you'll, I think you'll start to see the best out of Luai, but um, and, and he Luai definitely needs have, somebody working on the inside. Connection. He has that obviously connection with Cleary where they kick to each other, they grubber to each other, they run through for each other and 
maybe he's missing it, but it's it, it's just it's interesting that and maybe they're just trying it's, to keep it's their structure. Definitely there to see. Maybe they're see keeping their structure in, in for when yeah. Nathan comes back. But and Lou Eyes Edge, Edge has changed again. Like he yeah. had Burton there mm. last year and had a pretty good connection with Burton, and now he's got Tago there, who's a very good player, but. I guess the connection Absolutely. It's going to may take a, take a little bit of time as well in yeah. terms of that. Like, you know, we know Jerome's a quality player, but at the moment, you know, they're, they're doing it without him being eight out of ten every week. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I had Yo with three. Quite um, teams oh. when he's better than six out of ten. Yeah, absolutely. And there'll be games where you'll tear it apart. It just depends when it happens. But yeah. Yo with three points, Hunt with two, and Kikau with one. Yeah. Hard, Dougie. Yeah, uh, I had kick out and hunt swapped around, but I'm happy either way. Yeah. Now, yeah, let's go with that. Let's get to the Trooks 26 beating the uh, Seagulls 12 in a very, very average performance again from Manly. Uh, and eventually a, a thundering and raining SCG. Barney, what did the stats say? I was surprised Manly got 12 points. They didn't look like they deserved a point in this game. But um, it was five tries to two. Three out of five conversions played two out of two for Manly. 73% completion played 81% for Manly. 34 out of 46 sets played 31 out of 38. Six line breaks to three. 32 tackle busts played 33. Nine offloads to seven. Five force dropouts by the Roosters, two by Manly. And a 40-20 to the Roosters. 299 tackles played 331. Two ruck infringements from both teams. Seven penalties conceded by the Roosters, five conceded by Manly. 15 errors by the Roosters and nine by Manly. Crichton with 34 tackles. Jake Turbo with 45. Takiaho with 238 running metres. And Tom Trebojevic with 148. Uh, Walker made 18 tackles and missed eight. Uh, Crocker made 43 tackles and missed four. And Davey off the bench made nine tackles and missed three. So last last Wednesday, I asked why uh, Takiyahu wasn't starting prop for them. Uh, they did, and he was absolutely outstanding. That was as good a prop performance I've seen from a starting prop uh, since, what was it, Mo Fodawake, around 20 last year. He was outstanding. He owned the Manly Pack. Admittedly, you know, it's only the Manly Pack he had to own. You almost did it single-handedly as well. He was incredible. He set up the base, and he made the, other, he made the halves look good, and he made the other forwards look good. As a result, Tupanua looked uh, sensational. He had spiders on him to use one of your lines, Barn. Every time he got the ball in space, they didn't want to tackle him. He was able to just offload and go around him. But um, we talked about the Roosters probably having a trial game last week. This was not a trial game. thought those two led, uh, paved the way and were sensational. Still, And we've still got more to come from their back line. Uh, Billy Smith and Manu haven't really been involved a lot. They play a lot to the right, no, not at all. which excludes Crichton. They've got mm-hmm. Angus Crichton on one side that doesn't touch a ball. Uh, but Teddy had his hands on the ball a lot more, and I think they just got it right with Walker and Kiri this week. Kiri chums you in, knees to, and Walker got to run a show, and that kid is a bit of a freak, let's be honest. So very impressed. Manly could have been beaten Zot if uh, if it didn't come through. You can't tell me Turbo's not injured because some, even some of those grubbers that were going in the in-goal and stuff, usually Turbo's there chasing and DC was leading the chase, doing all he could, and every time they cut to the Tommy, he's limping. They keep, seem to keep uh, seem to keep ignoring that fact, but I, I, I found very little upside from Manly, let's say, as I just look at my stats again. 
uh, I think the stat was the two front rowers ran seven metres each in the first half. So, <laughs> wow. Talk about a breath effort. Good and, luck. And, and off the, the back foot. of that, that was it. Uh, young young Baker was tremendous. Butcher was tremendous. But they all got to own what they got to own. And um, it was the right roosters set up. We saw the real roosters, really. Jumpy. Yeah, I, I want to shout out there to um, Nat Butcher. He's he's one of the most underrated players players in the game coming off the bench. Like if they have the Dally M bench player like they have in the past, and you know Nat Butcher's got to be be up there. Like he just he gives you that spark every week off the bench. Most other teams he start in in their team. He's you know a shout out to him. Sam Walker was was really good. Luke Keary was good. Tedesco was good. Manly, I couldn't find too many positives. Jake Jake Turbo gave his usual wholehearted effort, but the front rowers, look, Martin Tapao doesn't look interested to me. He's, he wants to be in a plane somewhere, surely. That, uh, yeah, I, I think. Um, I don't know that, that playing Toff Sipley in the front row sort of helps them. I, I, I'd stick with Paseca. And Kepi as their front row rotation and probably put Toff Sipley back to Blacktown Workers. I don't know. He looks he's, like a play, he's a genuine Blacktown Workers player. Yeah, I, I don't think that he's offering them enough. Um, the hooker I thought was decent last year. Look, he was poor. I know he, he sort of tackled, but some of the service out of dummy half, he got one, a couple of passes that rolled along the ground, mm-hmm. fell out of his hands and rolled along the ground. Um, DCE tried really hard, but again, he had some ordinary passes. Mm. Um, their outside backs, unless Turbo is creating for them, then there's nothing there for Manly. To use your... But we to... did say this after two and three and four rounds last year, so I'm not going to pen them. The difference because, was Turbo wasn't there. Yeah, and Turbo's there this year, but I'm still not willing to pen them if things turn around for them in terms of, of Turbo and it hits their straps. You don't know if Des has got them going, going right now or, or whatever, but they're giving teams a start in terms of being 0-2. They probably think they'll win this week against the Bulldogs at home. Um, you know, if there's effort from the Bulldogs, I don't see Manly winning that by a, a huge thing. I don't see Manly winning at all. I think <laughs> I was I think I was right in my tip last week that I picked the Roosters 13 plus with my tip. And I was pretty confident that the Roosters would be the real Roosters this week. And I still think they've got a lot of room to improve on what they sort of did there against Manly. They're, they've got some some big improvement in them. And I don't know that a lot of other sides do. But? Oh, you'd be pretty concerned if you're a Manly supporter, I think. Um, just sort of pick, pick the eyes out of everything, realistically. Uh, their outside backs don't seem to offer much and their forwards are getting beaten up week after week at the moment. Um, doesn't matter how good you are, if you Tommy and you you know scored two or three tries, even if he does get back to his best form, if those forwards aren't going forward, good luck trying to find the holes and that and the outsides to, to do your work. Um, you could see the slow play the balls that they were getting. He did try, Tom tried to get involved in the middle and he just got shut down straight away. There was He couldn't do anything. There was no time and space for... Anybody, even DCE's kicking game was rushed, which um, caused problems in them getting down to the other end of the field. Roosters dominated this game. Probably should have won by another 15 or 20 points, realistically, <laughs> um, at the end of this game. 
Like Manly didn't look like trouble in the Roosters' defence for pretty much the entire night, whereas the Roosters just, if they weren't bending the line, they were breaking through it at least once a set um, and running amok through the middle of the field against Manly. Um, he had Walker and Keary played in their right positions. I know Keary had the seven on his back, but he was playing six. And Walker was playing seven with the six on his back. Um, he's, Walker just draws a little bit of extra defence when he's sort of running around in, you know, stepping off the left, stepping off the right. He drags a couple of people in and it gives the, gives uh, Kiri that bit of extra time to put his back rowers away or pick up pick up his centres and his, um, well, they don't really pick up the centres, pick up Teddy and pick up his wingers to score points in the corner. So, yeah, uh, I'd be pretty concerned, as I mentioned, if I was a Manly supporter. The Roosters' back rowers were both good. Teddy was fantastic again. Uh, you mentioned Butcher and um, Takiyahu. They were probably the best two players on the field. The only two that I'd mentioned from the um, Manly side were DCE and Olakawatu. Realistically, I thought they were the only two that are worth mentioning out of the Manly's effort on the weekend. And this is the thing. You can talk about injuries and stuff for Manly, but realistically, they've only got Schuster coming back. He's not going to put him on his shoulders and change anything. It make a bit of a, a difference in attack, but, rower, but like yeah. he's not going to make another two hundred yards a, a game. Yeah, he's not going to shut down the middle with defence. Well, the game was definitely run, run through the middle. I mean, you look at the Roosters' forwards; like each and every one of the starting forwards just ran over the top of them. Like that's the easiest way to sum this game up. And we've spoken about in the past how Manly's four-pack can be very hit or miss, or at least they were last year, but showed some promise. I've not really seen much promise from their four-pack at all this season, which is a big worry. Uh, On Tom Travojevic, though, I guess, my prediction was that he was going to drop off significantly against the big sides because they will have worked him out. Uh, That's been the case against Penrith and the Roosters, I'm glad, uh, Gump, that you brought up their game coming up against the Bulldogs next week because realistically, against a team like the Bulldogs, with all due respect, he should still be able to be back to his best and run a mark. If he isn't, though, and let's just say he has another really poor performance against the Bulldogs, like, what happens from here? I'm, I'm not suggesting it. I'm not for it at least definitely not now but there's been people like Paul Kent in the paper suggesting that maybe he needs to move to the centers like what well, what happens if this isn't just a uh can't perform against the best teams in the comp which I think it is but an actual significant drop off for Tom Travojevic because well they've got no four pack so what else does Manly have if not Tom Travojevic, like what do you do? Let's just say in five weeks' time, it's consistently been the same performance from Tom Travojevic. Where do you go? Like what do you do? There is so, no... so is anybody here willing to pen him? No, not yet. Yeah, well, I, had him, I, had, I had him in the top four. I'll pen nah, him in no. the top four. Top four. Yeah, I can't no say him making the top four. No. And on, on what I've seen, there are four definite four teams better than them. I, I would... Like, they could well, possibly run tenth at the moment, even lower. The way that they're going. Because here's the thing: they don't, they don't actually like Tapao's a fraction of what he used to be. Drake Tavoyevich is no longer in the top eight. Uh, eight just uh, tackles. He tackles, and yes, God bless mm. him, he can tackle his ass off. He's no longer in the top eight locks in the game. Well, he, he's yeah. giving you probably the same as a Josh Jackson. Yes, uh, and, and even then, and Josh Jackson's and... looking like a millionaire all of a sudden. So. Uh, well, so in terms ish. of that, so well, when Dylan Walker's like, coming off your bench and he's one of your best forwards, that's got to say something. They have massive issues, and 
last year, yeah, Turbo changed it. Uh, to use your your little litmus test, Gumpy, would Brad Parker make another first grade team? Well, maybe the Tigers, but um, <laughs> but yeah. it's like you know, But apart from like no Harper, mm, maybe. But he's he started the season pretty poorly. Saab, Saab, yeah, we know he can run fast, but like, well, Saab and Garrick are both very hit and miss. Yeah, so there are there are they they got no hooker. Um, Foreigns look fine. Like four, I've got no knock on their halves. They've got He's a great halves combination. Yeah. They're both trying very hard, but they, what are they supposed to do? So everyone's a year older. They haven't changed. Yes, I'm absolutely penny them top four, and I reckon I'm two weeks away. If, if dogs tell them up, I'm two oh, weeks yeah. away from penning them top oh, eight. If the bulldogs, if the bulldogs, and they can on intensity in and effort. Oh, <laughs> and I, I, I will probably be tipping them. Uh, I'm going to go with I'm going to go three Takia because the Delhi M votes for this this game were farcical. Me too. Uh, three Takia, two Tupanua, and I will give one to. Yeah, I can probably crowbar Sam Walker in there somewhere, but uh, happy to be talked around that too. Anyone? I had Butcher for two. Oh, of course, two three. Yeah, no. Two to, I thought Nat two to Butcher Butch. made a massive difference yeah. in the middle there, scored two tries and was carving up there yeah. at different times. I'll have Nat Butcher in the points, yeah. definitely. Takiaho, Butcher, Tupanua, 3-2-1. And then I had, yeah, Tupanua, Teddy or Olakatao. I thought Olakatao was best of Manly, but probably Manly player doesn't deserve a point. No. So I'd split it between Teddy or Tupanua. Yeah, go Tupanua. I thought, he, I thought off last week he was twice the player he was last week. Oh, absolutely he was. Titans 20 beat the Warriors 18 at 3 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, which coincided with the Golden Slipper, so I didn't see a great deal of this game. <laughs> Hopefully you guys did. Uh, Barney? I was sitting next to you watching it. <laughs> well, I don't know. Was it, were you? So, yeah. I was. So how were you, Ollie? Were you, like, were you unwell, or did this game make you feel unwell? Or? I was unwell. The middle period of this game made me feel unwell. Um, yeah, right. Even more unwell, but um, I was sort of uh, perking perking back up, sort of with about the last 10, 15, fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought the sort of got back to putting in that really good effort, especially in defence. That last uh, ten fifteen, and I thought they deserved to win by more, to be honest. And I think they sort of just let the Warriors back in way too many times in this game. But it was four tries to three, two out of four, four conversions played three out of three, seventy four percent completion played seventy six from the Warriors. 32 out of 43 sets was played 32 out of 42. Five line breaks from both teams. 36 tackle busts to the Titans, 29 to the Warriors. 11 offloads to nine. Two forced dropouts to five from the Warriors. 140-20 by the Warriors. 319 tackles played 324. Three ruck infringements to one. One inside the 10 by the Titans. Two penalties conceded by the Titans. Seven by the Warriors. 14 errors to 12. Tino made 31 tackles. Curran made 44. Mazu with 222 metres, Walsh with 195. Uh, Liu made 16 tackles, missed four. And someone from the Warriors, who I didn't write down, made 14 tackles and missed 11. No, Ash Taylor. Ash Taylor, yes, 14 tackles, missed 11. Made 14 tackles, missed 11. Uh, Out of those 36 tackle breaks for the Titans, Mazu made 11. Yes, Um, and about six of them were in one run, I'm pretty sure. uh, Ollie, talk us through it. Well, after that first try in literally minute zero, I yes. was very excited. I was thinking this is going to be exactly like round 25 last year when we tailed him up. 
but it sort of stopped a bit after that. And the Warriors got some good looks. And I don't know. It, it just uh, – I'm not overly happy with the performance, yeah, the last 10, 15 minutes, but I thought especially after that start, the Titans had it in them to sort of go on with it a bit. If the Titans are a fair income top eight side – they don't beat a team like the Warriors by two points with the greatest of respects I can give them. Like they're better than that. And I think the Titans showed that they are a better team, but just a team that, yeah, during that middle period, there was some, some shocking plays there. And uh, Gub brought up that uh, try, that contentious try, I guess you could say that shouldn't have been scored. There was also uh, the Chanel Harris, to Vita disallowed try, which I think should have been disallowed. And I've seen Warriors fans carrying on online. They're, they're starting to piss me off quickly, Warriors <laughs> fans. I'm sorry, because it seems week after week, they just Not cry. Not like Newcastle fans who uh, and moan. completely tell the truth. Yeah. <laughs> well, at the moment they have been, I guess mm. you could say. But that I even saw to an extent someone today had made a TikTok of them dressed up as the bunker, a Warriors fan, while that no, no try was being scored and it was – understandably a no try and the referee awarded it. And then he goes, Oh, hang on a minute. Rah, rah, rah. The Warriors have scored a try. No, they mustn't have. I better disallow it. And I was watching it. And I was like, yeah, he didn't score the try idiot. Anyway, that's just my little rant about worries. Cause I'm seeing it every week now. Like it's literally just the, Do we bring back the peanut. They, well, they're quickly becoming the whingiest fans. All right. We'll bring the back era, the peanut. Peanuts seen. back next week, Ollie. As Social media they're the unofficial peanut of the week or whoever made that um, TikTok. But, uh, yeah, I thought we should have seen a, probably a more decisive victory for the Titans in this one. As I said, that middle period was relatively poor. But then when the momentum started coming back, they defended well that last 10 to 15 minutes. I thought um, you spoken about Greg Marshall, who was amazing. For me, my best player on ground was Bo Thurma. Um, I just thought on both ends of the ball, um, consistently played it that high level throughout the game. Um, I, I thought he was my best player, at least. Um, Marju wasn't too far behind, but I just thought that effort, that um, consistent effort throughout, which was lacking at periods from the Titans overall, he sort of kept that up and kept them uh, where they were in the game. Uh, I also thought Josh Curran was really good for the Warriors and put in a, a Josh Curran performance, I guess we could sort of start to say these days he was the Warriors' best player, at least for me. Um, He's a serious player. And he was the one I was most afraid of seeing when he got his hands on the ball as well. Now, Gumpy, we talk about lack of effort. Uh, David Vita, 69, oh. 69 run metres. I'm, I'm off him. Runs. I thought he was going to have a big year. I'm off him. It hasn't taken me long. I've sacked him. Like I'd sack a horse that doesn't win a couple of times. <laughs> and he might come out this week and, yeah. and score three tries. And But you know what? He'll do it one week and then four weeks he'll, he, he won't. So I can't cop that as a player when he's on the money he's on. One thing is a Titans supporter that I would be, I don't know whether happy about or whatever, their both performances have been very consistent. They've conceded all their tries in the first half yeah. in both games and have defended really well in the second half when they've needed to. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing <laughs> in, in terms of that, about the, the, their slow starts. Or well, they're still scoring tries, but the starts are still quite slow. If they're conceding four tries in the first half against the top teams, the games are over because they're not scoring the four that they need to score in terms of that. So, look, their performances have been consistent. 
there. Greg Mars, you was good, whereas the week before, I know on our WhatsApp group that I was texting, thinking, no wonder he wasn't selected in the 13 to start with. Some of his efforts in the Parramatta game were terrible. It, you know, he's slow to turn and chase kicks, but I guess being a big fella, but look, he was really, really good. Um, I think that Tino is quite good as the captain, very steadying influence. He, for a young guy, seems to have a really good head on his shoulders and sort of leads by example in those tough times in the second half. I think he does a lot of the mop-up kind of work that you don't miss those little, that you miss those yeah, little defenders in, in terms of that. He I seems think to get better the harder the game gets. Yeah, really. he, the yeah. game gets a bit tougher and, and sort of he comes to the, the fore. He's just a club. He's just a club. Like he is... I don't say he's Joe class, but he's Queensland's answer. And if you go, even if you go back and watch uh, Ollie, you know the uh, the Titans documentaries when he first signed, and just how what he brings as a human being. Uh, the proof's in the pudding. Like he's and come through the Melbourne system to start with, so he, he has a bar as Adokar does, and we'll get to the Bulldogs later. They have a bar of expectation. That if you if you geeks are on a field with me, you better be putting yeah. as much as I am. Well, it's like. I think the best player for the Titans was Brimson for his first game well, playing at five eight. Yeah, I thought I thought he was probably their their best player. Um, in, in a game, it was sort of hard to pick a best player like Mars. You you could see was good and look. Brimson was sort of involved in things and was there and thereabouts. And for the Warriors, again, Josh Curran. And if they don't have Josh Curran and Reese Walsh, they don't win a game. Mm. Seriously, they don't win a game if they don't have those two. Reese Walsh was really good. I don't think we'll have second year syndrome, but Reese Walsh, if he's going to reach the heights that he should reach as a footballer, he ain't going to do it at the Warriors. So I don't know whether if the Dolphins don't get Ponga or whatever their man is, Reese Walsh the one oh, that they not... go for. I reckon in three years' time, Reese Walsh will be in front of Ponga. I've, well, I've I, more faith I, in Reece. I Walsh. probably agree with you, and you can you can tell me if I'm wrong. But uh, where's Jaden Campbell at? I think he's a work in progress. I think they've mm. probably got to play him there for X Factor. You know, he's he's it's all right for him to say he's about his dad's size, but his dad played ten years ago. Yes, when you could be that size, I think size may be. I've I've felt it last year. And Barnum, take it from here, but I felt it last week. Whereas Reese Walsh seems more complete player from from A to Z. Whereas where's Campbell at Barn and uh, and where are these teams at? Oh, he's still a baby, mate. Um, realistically, he's got another two or three years in him. I at least he's got be... some shoulders. He, he, you feel like he can fill out. Yeah, but, I, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up at six um, a few years down the track. Uh, because if he feels out, he's probably not going to have the lateral movement that he's got at the moment at fullback. Uh, they just don't give him enough opportunities to get one-on-one on the outside of someone Like because he's got enough pace and footwork to get around, but he needs a one-on-one. He can't be running that hard line in, in between edge forwards and getting bashed because it's going to take 10 minutes out of his game for him to recover from getting belted by yeah, some back rower that's just put a shot on him, Jazz Devanga cleans him up or whatever. It's going to take five or ten minutes to get your bearings back after that happens, yeah. especially when you're such a little bloke. Um, 
Warriors seem to crawl their way back and scratch and fight and get back into the game and then just let it go again. Um, we've mentioned it time and time again. They fade in and out of games. Um, I thought Sexton was actually the best half on the field. I thought he was better than um, Brimson. Brimson showed some glimpses and he looked really comfortable coming in at six. Um, like There was no worries about him playing six, but... Um, I don't think if I think if there was a different halfback on the field for um, the Titans, they probably don't win this game. Uh, Sexton controlled the the kicking game and the field position really well uh, for a large chunk of this game. First grade, yeah, and he just looks like a game um, controlling halfback, and it's definitely something that the Titans need. There was a few standouts in the Warriors team. Uh, you had Egan, Fanua Blake and Curran as probably the standouts in the forward pack. But on the whole, the Titans are just so much more even and consistent across the entire team. Um, you had good performances, while not standout performances, uh, but good performances from pretty much every one of their forwards that um, came onto the field. And um, their back lines just got that fraction more strike than the Warriors Uh Rocco Barry looks like a talent, but fuck, he made some mistakes in this game and made himself look like he probably didn't deserve to be out there at different times. Um, and probably cost the Warriors a try or two as well, just with um, poor handling and just silly mistakes. But I thought um, Bo Foyma, as Ollie said, was probably close to the best player on the field. I mentioned Sexton. You can't, there's not a game that Josh Curran plays that you don't notice him. Um, you know, it was the first half. Of like half a season of his career when he first started, he was just sort of there and thereabouts. But the last year or so, he's just been a standout in pretty much every game he plays. So I had Firma with three, Sexton two, and toss up between Curran and Marzu for the one point. But, well, you, you mentioned actually just on mentioning Curran, as I said, I've got eight blokes in front of Jake Turbo. He's one of them now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, got to ask a question. Ash Taylor, he's he's returned to first grade rugby league and make a name for himself. Covered himself in glory. How did he go? Eleven missed tackles from fourteen. Oh, yeah, awesome. Very little impact. I think he had a try assist and a line break assist, but that was just a short ball onto someone that was running a really good line. So, yeah. mate, what do you say? Is anyone here rate him above? You know, forty percent effort compared to anybody else on the field. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get to the he break. was he was probably in the bottom ten players that took the field in the game. Well, uh, we'll get to the brace later. Uh, so yeah, three, <laughs> two, one again. Does everyone agree, does everyone agree with Barney? Go again well, for us. Both firm with three, Sexton with two, and Karen Ormazu for the one point. Yeah, I'm happy with that. Well, definitely um, firmer with three, but I actually had Karen as my two and Marzu as my one. So I suppose I'll I'll go with Karen with you there, Barn. Okay, yeah, so go current two and then uh, Marzu or Sexy for one. Who was it you said, Barn? You there you go, Dougie. You take the you, the leader can choose the one point here. I thought Sexton was pretty good from what I saw. But I, I feel like I'm underplaying backline, back, you know, wingers sometimes in this voting. But we'll go <laughs> Sexton. And we'll have a quick break. So if we can grab a drink. Halfway through the uh, review show, we just got to mention quickly, we'll have more information on Wednesday, but we've got some merch coming, Barney. We some, do, uh, yes. Footy and Frothy's merch, courtesy of Rugby League Merchandise, I believe it is. Absolutely, it is, yeah. We're going to have uh, a shirt design, a couple of beer mugs, a uh, couple of different hats and beanies and bottle openers, so everything that goes fittingly very well with <laughs> Footy and Frothy's. So, yeah, we'll be looking Frothed out up. for that. We'll get a... We'll get a um, 
a direct link to our page on on the site, and you'll be able to order some merchandise with um, our labels on it. So, yeah, it should be fun. You can support us and uh, help us out if you've enjoyed the show or had a bit of white noise, as so most people do. Is we go on for three and a half hours <laughs> at a time, but uh, yeah, very excited. Look forward to that announcement on Wednesday. Uh, let's get to the Sharks 18 in the last, or after the last minute, running down the Eels 16 at Shark Park. Barney, give us some stats, and you may have first crack at this game. Absolutely. Uh, four tries to two, one out of four conversions, played two out of two for Parramatta, and two out of two penalty goals for Parramatta. 75% completion for the Sharks, 87% for the Eels. 28 out of 37 sets, played 34 out of 39. 10 line breaks to three. 49 tackle bust to 37, 11 offloads to 13, one force dropout played two, zero 40 20s, 379 tackles made by the Sharks, 309 by Parramatta. One ruck infringement against the Sharks, two against Parramatta, one inside the 10 against the Sharks. Eight penalties for both teams, 11 errors to six. Braley made 54 tackles, Papali'i with 37. Uh, Tracy made 179 metres. Brown, Dylan Brown with 183 metres. Moylan made 20 tackles, missed six. And Sean Lane made 22 tackles and missed seven. I thought the Sharks were by far the stronger team in this game and just let Parramatta in way too many times. And um, it ended up uh, closer than it probably should have been. I thought the Sharks, um, I expected them two or three times during this game to kick away and get out to a decent lead of probably, you know, somewhere between 10 and 18 points. And it just didn't seem to happen. Um Four tries to two probably tells the story realistically. Uh, Parramatta grinded away, got back through the middle and the Sharks sort of gave away a few penalties and you know, uh, Parramatta took those opportunities to take field goal, uh, take penalty goals rather than trying to put the pressure on and put and you know get back in front of the Sharks. Uh, whereas I think if they'd scored a try in one of those two times that they took the penalty goals, it probably would have been a different game and Parramatta might have actually run away with it because... Um, there was a few times where the Sharks did sort of panic and that's what stopped them from scoring the points I thought that they should have at different times. Um, Parramatta's credit, they hung on. They were pretty, you know, especially on the edges. There was a couple of times, again, like the Dragons I mentioned earlier, where they were sort of cut the ribbons and they managed to get across and uh, make covering tackles and then sort of scramble back through the middle and stop points that, that probably should have been scored. Um their starting front rowers were, were quite strong again. Um, Campbell Gillard and Paulo uh, Papali'i was good. Again, he was probably close to their best player. Um, and Reed Mahoney as well. Both their halves actually played pretty well in this game. Uh, the only problem was they were probably a fraction on the back foot. I thought the Sharks probably uh, won the middle of the field and won it pretty well for a majority of the game. And um, the Sharks' outside backs looked much better to me. I don't know what you guys thought, but... I thought they, their attack looked a lot better than Parramatta's uh, for the majority of the game. Atalakai and Tolman were pretty good off the bench, which sort of helped out the middle forwards. Uh, Finnegan and Wilton were very good. And the two top players from the Sharks team, I thought, were Blake Braley. He had a tremendous game up against uh, one of the hookers that I rate as close to the best hooker in the game. And um, Nico Hines, he was the man when it came to you know the Sharks. Structure and attack, he was pretty much the be-all and end-all for the Sharks in their attack. So. Spot question, everyone. Is Junior Paulo overrated? I don't know about overrated. I think... I think Parramatta lose momentum when 
Paul Owen Campbell Gillard go off every week. Yeah, absolutely. Like last week against the Titans, they lost momentum when they went off. And this week, I think they lost momentum when they went off. I don't know about him being overrated. Yeah, Name another one in their pack that's better than him. He's like not, Oregon Kafusi was missing in action. He's not no, well, that, as consistent. I guess he doesn't live up to expectations every week. Absolutely. He should probably be trampling a lot of packs I, in the comp. Yeah, I, the, yeah. When I say overrated, he's a New South Wales prop. Mm-hmm. And I see week in, week out, well, to go back, like uh, Fodder Waker and, well, Takiaho this week. And RCG most weeks. Week. Uh, Stefano yeah. still got some work to do. Fisher Harris. Paulo keeps getting named by blokes like um, P. Rothfield as the top two props in the game. And he's a long way from that. Let's be honest. Um, is he top 10? Maybe. But it just feels like there hasn't been. I can name you. I can name. If I do run through the, everyone I just mentioned, I could, including RCG. I can name you games they single-handedly carried teams on their back, and I can't name a mm. Paulo game in the last two years. It probably since we named show. two in the entire season from last year. Yeah, where it, it should be around eight and ten, realistically. Yeah, and, and I just feel like there's just. I get where you're coming from. I'm just saying, like for someone who's supposed to be top two, four, six, yeah. I, yeah. he's a long way from it. Yeah, Fish Harris, like you know. In 2020, I'd probably say he was close to Parramatta's best player mm. like throughout the season, but he just never capitalised on that, and he did drop off a bit, especially at the start of 2021 when yeah, probably he started, I guess, dominating. Um, and he sort of come back a bit, and I've still been consistently good, but he's he's definitely not the 2020 Paul. No, and that, that, that's he, probably what I'm getting to, at. Yeah, he's yet to get back to his best. And yeah. also forgot to mention that Moylan was okay. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> keep going. From you mentioned my... Moylan and I start coughing. You've given me COVID. Oh, sorry, Ollie. Now, why are you co- going, Ollie? Why are you? No, no. Gumpy, you when go you cheer away, a bloke Ollie. for being okay, that's, yeah, <sighs> anyway. I dream of okay, don't worry. Gumpy, uh, <laughs> what, what do you say? Yeah, I, I thought Parra were a bit clunky. They had more possession. Sharks made more handling errors. So Parramatta had ample opportunities to sort of win the game. Barney animated it a couple of times, had penalties, and they went for goal and and did that sort of halt momentum a bit. I thought they probably they Parra had enough opportunities to win. Cronulla was by far the better team, and four tries to two showed that. I think you know, and Cronulla threatened far more. Like even at the end of the game, um, I always thought Cronulla would probably get it at the end, and they they put on something. To, to sort of get over the line. They they looked dangerous with the ball. Nico was outstanding. I think any doubts that anybody may have had about Nico um, sort of running the show, I think that they could sort of be put to bed. He wasn't, even though they didn't win the first week, he wasn't bad and he was really good this week. Um, their forwards went forward and, and sort of did the job that they didn't do last week. Barney was right there, bench. Blokes like Tolman and Talakai, really, you know, took on where the where the, the big boppers at the start had sort of started with. Um, Will Kennedy, again, continues to just improve and he, his star rises. And you know that, you know, there must be a lot of quality fullbacks if Will Kennedy, you know, you probably start naming your fullbacks and you probably don't name him till eight or nine or something like that. But, you know, he's a 
an excellent, excellent pl- player to have. Is he Queenslander? Yeah, Queenslander. Mm, I don't think so. sure. I don't think so. Anyway, but looking, carry on, he, Kiwi, he, you know, plays above his weight. Um, well, no, he's indigenous. He's indigenous player. That's right. Yeah, carry on. Yeah. Yeah. So look, Para were were good. Reed Marnie again was good. Warner Bathurst. There you go. Dylan Brown had a good game, good running game. Mm. Um, Gutho, bit underwhelming again, I thought. Um, I don't know. I think he's looking a bit slow. Gutho, I know he's never been over-endowed with a lot of speed, but he's looking a bit a bit tired the way he plays the game. It's early in the year and I don't. Thing is, we know we, we it's a pattern now. For last, spark from him. It's the last three years a pattern is he burns himself out early. If he's already burnt out, they're in a lot of trouble, Power. They go looking for him way too often. They need to just, you know, lay up and play that second row line or you try and cut him out and hit the wingers and he's touching the ball three and four times every mm, set. Mm. So. Yeah. He's getting to be a bit of a um not as bad, but a Paul Gallard getting in the way. <laughs> Kind of thing, yeah. not not like that, but yeah. you know, where Gallum touched the ball three times, the set probably didn't need to. I don't know that Gutho needs to either. I think that they've got other players that can probably do a similar job. Um, does he take it on board because he thinks other people aren't going as well? I look, I don't know. I think yeah. they're probably like Penasini's a good player, but it's a work in progress. <laughs> They, you know, there's no Sevo and no Ferguson from last year, so there's a sort lot of, of meters some, out of the yeah. a lot of meters that they're, they're they're missing from wingers. I know they've got Simonson, but he's not that type of player. Another um, one, Opacek, um, just in defence, like their centre wing. I know it's never been fantastic, but they're getting cut open quite often compared to what they were last year. Yeah, and Opacek stopped a lot of that. So I think that they're another side. I don't quite know where they are, but let's give them a couple of weeks and, and see they've got the forward pack to win them more than they lose. Absolutely. Is this a is this a, a mutiny situation waiting to happen as we'll get to with the Tigers where all of a sudden Papa E just goes, you know what, I'm out here or, you know, there's people going that... There's have, rumblings. Yeah. Apparently there's rumblings about players wanting early releases and they haven't mentioned any names of players that, that want early releases and they've they all seem to always say that the relationship with the coach is really good but of course you can say that you, you know if that's right it's so, paid to say that <laughs> like Tao Malalo came and said went to the press conference and they said he bought Peyton a beer and that and tried to sort of play it off that way but I don't think they're trying to glass him with either. It. <laughs> that, that, that look if if there was any rehearsed press conference moment Ever, I think that could have been it. I wasn't quite convinced. Anyway, Ollie, no, neither was I, Ollie. Mm. But um, <laughs> I just want to bring up someone, uh, someone else who you can add to your list is currently better than Jake Trevojevic. Uh, Dale Finucane, for me, I thought best player on ground uh, for Cronulla. He did a lot of work in defence and he looked uh, pretty dominant in attack as well. Uh, it's interesting in the preseason. Uh, we sort of brought it up, Gump, in our season preview. Um, these two teams in particular, the Sharks and the Eels, by the end of the year, um, who who would you have more players from in the combined team, right? Going off of this game, 
and I know this was the argument I was putting forth, you'd be putting in more Cronulla players. That's all I'm saying. It was well, Barney was hammered on socials yeah. for this, yeah. I think yeah. you still probably have slightly Parramatta just in front, but there was well, a good five it. or six that you'd be picking in to fill up some spots in that Parramatta squad. And uh, the big contentious one that I said I think was um, Kennedy possibly over Gutho. Again, just purely off of this game, but if this trend continues. Gutho was slightly better. Kennedy's had a little bit of issues with his hands in the first two rounds and yeah, he's sort of squandered an opportunity or two, whereas Gutho generally... Well, doesn't he, turn the ball over. He might squander the opportunity, but he doesn't give the ball yeah. back to the opposition think, where Kennedy know. has been. Kennedy but. just looks that bit more. He just looked a whole, ball, whole lot more oh, energetic. He's, and he's I like think six years back. younger, of course, he's more energetic. Yeah, they already being burnt out. Possibly, maybe that's more a reflection of that as well. well but, when um, you look at that now, Ollie, realistically, probably that both Cronulla wingers get picked. Mm-hmm. So going through, yeah. you pick Finucane, you're probably Nick Owen Moses are your, are your halves. So you, you're probably getting more Man. than you thought. Probably Jesse Ramian's fitting in somewhere because the Paris centers aren't, yeah, yeah, aren't great. I'm not a big fan of, of Ramian. I think he's got way too many errors in his game. But again, like Marnie and Braley, there's not much between those two as players. You picked um, Teague Wilton in front of um, Lane on this performance. Yeah, but yeah. I think that the, the front rowers for Paris still get through yeah. and you, you're one of your back rowers. And it, so, yeah. yeah well, like, you know what? You'll probably turn out to be pretty close to the money if things trend the way okay. that you believe they will trend and yeah. it's looking likely. Well, how good's yeah, Nathan uh, Brown going in life? And having put it there, their prop, we'll go back to the lock. Nathan Brown, like, you know, the one's going to hang out with Jared and Payne. Yeah, we go. Uh, lastly, let's, we've spent a bit of time on this. Uh, Cam McGuinness return. How'd he look? I didn't get a lot of minutes. I thought, yeah, he, looked, I thought he looked well, like, when he did play, like, uh, the main thing for me for Cam McInnes is obviously that defensive effort. That was definitely short yeah. of a run, but he made his tackles and did yeah, his work. He'll so. be fine. Uh, three, two, ones, boys. Uh, what? Who can free? Yeah. Well, I'd go Nico or Finucan. I, I three and two. I'm happy with either way. With that, I had Nico. I had Blake Braley. I thought yeah. um, his service out of dummy half was fantastic, and he made fifty odd tackles without yeah. a miss. I'm pretty yeah. sure. So I had Nico with three, uh, Blake Braley with two, and then I had Finnegan with one. You could maybe argue Papa Lee if you wanted to. But. Nah, oh, yeah. Nah, let's go uh, we'll Go Nico three, Finucane two, and uh, Braley with one. Braley with one. Happy with that, Ollie? Happy yeah. with that. Um, you will put out – do you want to put out the uh, Daggy M's tomorrow where we're at? Uh, yeah, has anyone been keeping track of them? Uh, yeah, you but- – all right, the Cowboys <laughs> twenty six defeated the, the show last week. I'll work it out. The Cowboys twenty six beat the GT's Ra- replacement. We'll hit her up. Uh, Talia will let us know. Taylor, can you just inbox us and let us know? What <laughs> Thank you very much. I will send Zoe you. Zoe leading. I will send you a footy and frothy shirt for your troubles. How's that sound? Twenty six six Cowboys over the Raiders. Barney stats, and then Gumpy, you can lead us away. Wow. Uh, four tries to one, three out of four conversions played, one out of one for the Raiders. Two out of two penalty goals for the Cowboys. 76% completion played, 56% completion from the Raiders. 30 out of 39 sets played, 18 out of 32. 
600 plus run meters and 200 plus post contact meters for the Cowboys. Three line breaks to two, 19 tackle busts to 31 for the Raiders. Seven offloads to four, two force dropouts by the Cowboys, one by Canberra, and one forty twenty by Canberra. 244 tackles made by the Cowboys, 326 made by the Raiders. One ruck infringement to two, zero inside the tens for both teams. Seven penalties conceded to eight. Nine errors to 15. Robson made 37 tackles. Whitehead made 37 tackles. Hiku made 166 run metres and Tarpani made 130 run metres. Jeremiah Nanai made 24 tackles and missed 10. Schiller made six tackles and missed three. Which I think two of them led directly to tries. The Raiders were just... But Tom Sanks had told me to buy him. Go on, go on. Sorry, I, the Raiders were just awful. If the, they're just lucky that the Tigers were in the round, to be honest. To, to take no, they were still bit, worse than the Tigers. To, to take <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that they were. Like, but the, the Raiders were bad and handling was bad and it was mm. clunky and it was just awful. I, I don't know. Like the Cowboys played... Well, but the, the, guys, they, yeah. the forwards, the forwards ran hard. They tackled hard. Tao Malalo was back to a little bit of his best and and ran hard. Um, a couple of the, the blokes on the edge, Young Nanai and Lukey, and that were offering a bit. They were sort of young, good on the edges. I thought Chad Townsend played well and organised the team well. You be drinking, weren't you? I had been. <laughs> yeah, Townsend is fucking did and shit all over Townsend. But he organised and allowed did and to to do what he did. I think he, he was, he's that steadying influence, and I think that that's what he needs to be. Yeah, I can cop that. Um, Hammer he was average. He's always dangerous um, with his speed. I, the Raiders. I don't think there was anybody that you know Jack White and. Tried hard and played. He was their best player. By played me. well. He was. Yeah. He was their best player. I thought Harawira and Naira did some good things. Yep. Adam Elliott did some some good things. I don't think they're getting enough from Tarpani, Papali. Papali is another one that's now. Papali is now another one that's. <laughs> yeah, but Papali is now in a Paulo class. Like they're, they're living off reputation from three. You know, years look ago. at Hudson Young last week against the Sharks. He was close to the best player on the field. He, he was, was pretty much non-existent in this fucking game. Yeah, well, <laughs> remember, remember when Papali ran down um, Fogarty? Remember Fogarty. when Papali yeah. nearly single-handedly won the Raiders a comp? He's like not even. He's not within that, two weeks of thing, that. Like, Probably Nor is three out of four games, he's going to make his 140 metres, which I'm pretty sure he did close anymore. to in this game. And that's about it. Um, <laughs> he, made, got, he made 112 metres this game. But yeah. I think they've got – there's still problems in the playing group. There has to be. They you can't put that last out. Year and, they were, and there's still players' wives that are putting comments on social media <laughs> about not being picked in teams and – and stuff like that. So there's obviously some some issues going on in the playing group. Um, it, also for them, Chance is probably all right. You know what you're going to get with him. He's a different kind of fullback, but you know gets involved and and tries to to do something and through energy and and whatnot. But you know the Cowboys were good, not great. 
Mm. I think the Cowboy uh, the Raiders made him look pretty good. Like I don't think the cow the Cowboys were any better, a little bit better than they were the first week when it was six four against the Bulldogs. I don't know that they were that much better than that. They were somewhat, but the other the Canberra were probably they were worse than the Tigers statistically, barn. But I don't. We'll get to that. Let's, let's, say, let's save the Tigers for soon. The, the three years <laughs> that the, the Knights won the wooden spoon, they put up better performances than this game from the Raiders. This is close to the worst performance the I've ever seen from a first year. grade rugby league football team. This was disgusting. The forwards did enough to make sure they didn't get beaten by 50, but they probably should have. Their back line was woeful. Not one of them, apart from Whiten in that back line, added anything whatsoever. They couldn't catch the ball. They couldn't tackle. It was... <laughs> I've got nothing else to say. Someone okay, jump in. Holy gun. Sack Ricky. Sack his coaching staff. Sack most of the players because Canberra not only lost to the team who I still think will be the worst team in the competition this year, they lost by 20 to them. And as you said, they made them look good. The Cowboys still didn't look great because they're the Cowboys, but to lose by 20 points to them, like that's sort of my litmus for teams who have got no chance of doing anything at all this year. If you lose to the Cowboys, then I mean, like, what do you do? We saw the, we saw the performance that the Cowboys put out against the Bulldogs last week. So Canberra's just decided will worsen that tenfold so this team can actually win a game this year. Like, it was just horrid. It was just I, – I don't know how to explain it. It's like out of this world, like, sure, I could have seen maybe the Cowboys nabbing a, a game here or there this season, but not dominating a team. Like, not – obviously, Tao Malolo uh, put in a lot better – probably one of his better performances over the past couple of years, granted – but still, Canberra were just horrible. Like, for me, across the park, just absolutely dreadful. And, of course, I thought Reese Robson was good as well. And Tom Dearden as well put in a really good performance. Like, there were good players there, the Hammer as well, as he brought up from the Cowboys. So I do want to give those certain players their due. But there is no way that the Cowboys should be beating the Raiders 26 points to six. What is going on at Canberra? Like, I know I just said it sort of as a joke then, and I've said it before. Sticky's got to go. Like, it's clear to me that the players don't respect him anymore, that he's sort of just outstayed his welcome. Like, you get performances like this, that there are representative players in this side that, it was not well. (laughs) Sorry, there are incumbents in this side that aren't playing anywhere near being selected origin level in this game, not playing like a first grader. Close on the back of what you said, Ollie. Like, you have a look, the Cowboys' dominant performance. Was there anybody in that Cowboys team that really stood out above anybody else? Like, they all did their job, and you know, Hiko was probably. Hiku was probably the best player on the field. And that was only because he got in and away and around some really poor defense at different times and set up points for the Cowboys. But they weren't, yeah. Well, they put it this way the Cowboys didn't put on a 26 to 6 performance. Canberra did. It, it was all Canberra. Like it was just absolutely horrible. I'm glad that the Titans are versing him this week. Oh, I, I can't wait for that game. 
You um, get beaten by 30. Yeah, yeah Canberra get a win. <laughs> <laughs> Canberra win but you know what? Canberra might actually end up being that team where they just do lose to a team like the Cowboys. But I think we all said it in our preview at the start of the year. Like they could finish last and nobody would bat an eyelid and they could finish fifth and, nobody, yeah. you know, it's just... That's who they are at the moment. At the end of the day, isn't there a isn't there a stench with this sort of, and with the tigers, where there's smoke, there's fire. When the corpse is rotting, you've just got to cut. And God bless Ricky, God bless Madge, but you've just got to you've got to cut the head off. Yeah. Something. Something's got to change. Yeah, absolutely. and it's it's now gone on two years, two and a half years here, and those gums there with players' wives not happy and yada yada yada. And the same with the tigers; they just they're not interested in performing for him. There's, there's well, to go from effort. a team that was in the grand final two and a half years to go looking like you couldn't beat anybody. Starting four dollar favourites to win the comp the year after. How do you? Yeah. It, it's and, and I assume Ricky probably is more of a job for life than uh, the match. We just got to cut the cord and say sorry, mate. We'll bring well, Don. Like, how has it we'll got to? We'll bring our old David back, Dave Ferner back, and yeah. How has it gotten to the point though at Canberra where it's so bad that? players' wives are literally coming out publicly and shitbagging the coach. Like, not just the situation this year with Sutton, but last year as well during the season, I believe there was, like, multiple players' wives coming out. Two or three like, times. That how happened, the, like, sure. have we ever heard of this before in the NFL? Like, yeah, how has it gotten this world. bad where yeah. it's, like, the the um the, because, the wag? Because I if it happened at other clubs, Amber, the other uh, players wouldn't cop it. You could you imagine if um Cam Munster's missus came out? It, Bellamy would... Fucking strip him sideways, and then the rest of the playing group would be stripping him sideways. It just wouldn't happen. Yeah, I know it's easy to say when you run and last and first, but yeah. Do we need to talk any more about this game? Let's move on. Nah, you got anything to say? No, I didn't watch it, and I (laughs) don't need to now. Um, I will go back. I want to go back and watch the Sharks game because I'm interested. But uh, three, two, one here, Barney. It was probably one of the better games the Sharks won, actually. So I do suggest you go back tried, and watch it. I tried, but, but it didn't work. So. And, um, uh, Hiku is my three points. As I said, he was the one that sort of stood above most in this game. I had Tamalolo for two points, and I thought Whiten was by far the best Canberra Raider on the field. So I gave him one point. Ollie. I'd agree with Barney. Other than I'd probably stick Dearden in for a point. Other than White, that, and yeah, if Raiders were that bad, I, I, I don't believe. You made a good point about Tommy Dearden before he was, you know, good in attack and you know made his tackles and his defense is a lot better. He's it's improved yeah. a lot in the last. Yeah, he's getting his body in front. Golly. Yeah, I'll go with that with um, Dearden in Dearden instead. At one. Of yeah. Seriously, yeah. like, let's not give sympathy points. If, if teams well, White was, mate, he was, was their best player. Okay. Yeah. He was close to the best player on the field, really. Oh, but, well, okay. Um... <laughs> yeah, we don't did. All right. Well, then I'll give one to White. No, uh, no Hiku, we'll give it to Dean. Hiku Damalolo. Hiku didn't. All right. Newcastle 26, Tigers 4. Tell me some stats, Barney, then I'll... Five tries to one, two out of five conversions, played zero out of one conversions for the Tigers. And the penalty goal... Out of one attempt for the Knights, 88% completion for Newcastle, 61% for the Tigers. 39 out of 44 sets played 24 out of 39. 500-plus run metres and 200-plus post-contact metres for Newcastle. Three line breaks to four. 36 tackle busts to 20. 12 offloads to eight. Three force dropouts by Newcastle, 0 40 20s. 292 tackles made by Newcastle, 376 by the Tigers. One ruck infringement against the Tigers. Eight penalties conceded to six, seven errors to 18, 
One sin bin. Barnett made 27 tackles, missed four. Brooks made 26 tackles and missed six. And Oliver Gilda made 14 tackles and missed four. What else have I got? That's it. That's it for the stats. Have you been on super coach point? You haven't not have so far, no. no we'll no, do that we'll in do our, them, yeah, we'll do that they're on They're not Wednesday. final yet, so it's yeah. weird doing a Monday game. Well, <laughs> the... Say something. Say something, I'm giving Oh, Luciano, Simpkins, decent. This is the rest of the Tigers side. This is, this was, <laughs> I don't, I, well, I was going to say, this is the most embarrassed I've been watching my team play since round 26 last year, so it wasn't long ago. There is, um. One game. There's one game ago. One game This was a disgrace. Like, I, this was a disgraceful performance. It was, uh. I try, there's no positive I can say. This is disgraceful. Uh, there is obviously deep issues at the club. I think you mentioned it uh, in a message, Gumpy, but when you're naming five captains, one of them's your winger, the other one is a bloke that wants to give away cheap penalties in the ruck for no apparent reason. And uh, another bloke's asked for a release. Another bloke wants a release. How is that a leadership group? And let, short of just going, look, Adam Dewey's a captain, we'll work it out till then, which is obviously what they're trying to do. There is no leadership at this club. Uh and that's with all due respect to Kim Marlowe, who was one of our, who tried very hard. Um, the the halfback the halfback tackles well. His kicking game was embarrassing. There was no plan to any of his kicks. Admittedly, when you are having your first forty minutes of football and you can't get the ball two tackles in without giving away a penalty, there was no intensity in any kick chase. I didn't see a single kick chase until the seventy-fifth minute. Then all of a sudden they wanted to run everyone down and smash each other. Uh, Jackson Hastings did try, but doesn't get involved. Like, didn't get involved to the seventieth minute. Um, the Ford Packer just Joe offering Galway. Like, oh, I don't know what to no. say about that. Twelve does a job. No, you can't be. Twelve does a job. Twelve be a very good player at fifteen other clubs, but he he, he does his job every week, and that's what he does. Um, Luciano did try very hard. Hastings tried very hard. To be honest, no one else in this team looked like a first grade footballer. No, I couldn't the, even. The back I, rower, the back rower that's going to man. Well, Tuolagi did, but he didn't get an opportunity. <laughs> that's it. There's three blokes in this team you pick in first grade, and James Roberts ran fast for like 20 meters. <laughs> uh, the rest of them <laughs> are disgraceful. <laughs> and and I don't want to hear that Newcastle were great because they should have beaten the Tigers by 63. And they, they were good, but they were good. Right. But Tigers, seriously, a good Tigers team beats good. a good team beats Tigers by sixty. Clifford got lucky off a deflection, then got lucky off a shit kick that Frazel caught in the timeline. Other than he kicked like dog shit, and he's overrated. I don't care what anyone says. Clune played really well. Clune did some very good and very smart kicking. I thought was the to, to, to come out, yes, to come out and say, "Oh, Jake Clifford's a deli M," could fuck off. Now, um, apart from that, Frazel has got a new lease of life with Gago at Sandy. Oh. Those two are sensational, and I can not implore enough that if you need to find either of those positions for your super coach, go and get them because they're going to be good all year. Um, they have made an absolute change to that team. Well, Gago has. agree with that. But their halves combination, like Jake Clifford's still a shitbag. I don't care. Um, Kurt Mann tries very hard. Beyond that, I'm embarrassed to be a Tigers fan, and Newcastle will be fine Will they make the eight? I'll tell you in six weeks' time. Uh, Ollie. Well, just on Clifford, because I know we spoke about him in the chat. I don't he's think he's shit. a world. 
don't think he's a well better or anything, but if you're going off of this year... Go so back and actually watch his uh, in-play kicking in that game. He made okay, zero well, the kicks kick, of consequence. I'm not saying he's amazing or anything, but no, I think shut up, Ollie, you're wrong. better than shit. I thought, <laughs> he, I thought he was really good against the Roosters, like really mm. good. Yeah, so may, maybe... Game. Maybe I'm more, <laughs> maybe I'm more going off of that performance, but I wouldn't necessarily put him. Shit. Well, Clune did sort of. Anyway, who cares? Uh, yeah, the other bloke who stepped up actually before I finish, Dominic Young. Yes, he looks yes. like the first grade winger now. Yes, uh, there were one. there was um two. British and the side is obviously good. Yeah, there were two British outside backs playing in this game. Only one of them has hype, and it was the other one who played well. And I can say it right now, um, Gildart, along with. Roberts, Mamalo, Nofaluma did not play well in this one. I was asked to, it's uh, some series we're doing with everything rugby league um, weekly where we say why this team was the worst team and at the moment are the favourites for the wooden spoon. This week was the Tigers, funnily enough. Um, I, I was asked that. to do and I got some stats uh, from the game. One of them um, was the error count. Now, 10 of the Tigers, 18 errors came from the back five. Ten of the errors. Five of them, Ken Mamalo, one from Gildart, three from Nofaluma, and one from Dane Laurie. Like, just that error count, like, for five players to combine for ten errors. Yeah, Mamalo I know you think he tries hard. He's a dud. He's a dud <laughs> at the Warriors. He's a dud at the Tigers, and if you if he thinks if he shouldn't be in first grade, and he's a captain, like yeah. he, I agree. He's and a and dud. You, give us you your can't give, make five errors. Give me the analogy you gave me the other day. Imagine the imagine the Bulldogs naming Ockenbore as captain. Well, that's what I said. It's the that's same what, thing. That's, that's what I'm saying. If, yeah. if Trent Barrett says Ockenbore is captain next week, it's the same as having Ken Mamalo captain. Yeah. The same ilk. Like, it, I can't fathom, and sorry to interrupt, Barney, but they, they no. just didn't try. And I know Luciano is a good player, but after 10 minutes, he was walking. Yeah, He, he was, was walking back. You know, I, I know that they get tired and the big guys get tired and, and whatnot, and people will say that TPJ walked for the Bulldogs and whatnot, but TPJ put in a little bit more effort than Luch did. Like at one point, I I've got him in my super cage. I can't believe he gets seventy four points. I, I don't think he did anything. He did. Oh, he made a few uh, line breaks. Tackle bus. What's going to happen is break. they have a rate tackle bus, but I I, prom- I can I would bet money that if he's not asking for a release by round eight, I'm not here because he'll want to go to the Cowboys. He'll go now. Nah, let's go. I'm going. They, They're they, probably they, all asking. They're probably all asking. And this is the issue, and it's the same as Ricky, and it's probably worse. They just want out of there. They're not interested. They're not interested under Madge. God bless him. I'm sure he's a great bloke. I would have him on as a co-host every week. It would would be great. And I'm sure he's very smart. I'm sure he's a good bloke. But they don't want to play for him, so you can't fix that. You can't fix it. It's been three years now. You can't fix it. Well, it's results. It's results. Coaching's results driven, and you can't. And it's often the easiest fix to get rid of the coach. Yeah. But you know what? Personally, and I love your dagging, I love your passion for the Tigers, but changing the coach is not going to fix the Tigers. It's a cultural problem. Agreed. They've had this problem for 10 years. You, you're a supporter, you know. They've brought in coaches over the, this period of time that were going to fix the problem. They've brought in blokes. They've brought in different players at different times, but they're, they're 
front office is a mess. They, they, they don't retain the right players. I could not agree more. Right I could not players. agree more. Their actual biggest problem is their CEO. So, so the cultural staff, I don't – it's going to And if we're saying this, why would you be – why would I be – if I was Cam Munster and the Tigers ring around and said, here's a million bucks when you finish contract, why, would I, why would I be interested? No. That's the point. If, if we know this on a shitbags podcast, why would a, an actual player want to go there? The thing I don't if you go there to coach, it's probably your first and last go. Yeah, like and this is and this is this will be the death of go there. Michael Maguire won't coach again in NRL. Simple as that. No, there you go. Right out of the Tigers one to nineteen that played this weekend, how many of those blokes have got the mongrel in them that you need in a forward pack in the NRL? I can't fucking name one. None of them. None. Well, like, Mano on his day when he's having a good day and he's yeah, but he's still he's, he gets he's, in I, I, yeah, it. I'm still done with him. But He'll be done like, soon. Have a look at who who's there. Twelve does his work and hasty and hasty, but he's not trying to hurt people. No, like he's not said, trying he's trying to run over the top of people. He's just taking his hit ups uh, and making his tackles. Hastings will either be it'll be Hastings probably got the most mongrel out of yeah, the bottom of them. and that'll and either be then you add Dewey to that, then maybe and, there's something. Yeah, but and give him six weeks, and it'll be either out of Hastings. Your halves not going to be carving up the middle of the field, running over the top of 120 kilo blokes. Luke, Luke, I, I, bag, I know about Clifford, but Luke Brooks' kicking game was disgusting. It was actually embarrassing. Um, like, not a repeat set. Like, is it that hard just to grab the ball and in goal and tackle someone? Oh, we'll, well kick to some ship. Uh, anyway. I asked you this, Daggy. Would you rather have Brooks or Clifford playing alongside? Right now, Jake Clifford. Uh, right now, Clifford. Yeah. Like, you look at fucking Adam Woods, right? He's been fucking copped that much shit over five to ten years, right? He'd have more mongrel than your entire fucking pack. Correct. And he's the, and I remember the games, teddy, big cuddly teddy bear that everyone And I remember him. games where he was single-handedly the best prop in the game. I do love my props, but it's, um, they're, 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 they're both embarrassing. Tamo's not going to fix. Tamo back next week. Can't wait for that to do nothing. And then um, – and, 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 uh, and the only other rant I'll have is Hastings is out for three weeks after that lift, which you've already done. Don't want to move on. So we're gonna have Jock Madden playing the next week, and he'll look like, a, and then he'll be sacked because he's a geek because he's got a shit forward pack to play behind. He's actually a good player. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. What do you say? Yeah, yeah, say? I can't say much more, man. And I was going to add to this game. Let's talk about Newcastle. Uh, Frizzell was great. Like I said, anyway, wrap Newcastle for a bit so I can. Yeah, well, it's twelve Luciano and Simpkins are the only three that deserve the mention, and even they're sort of borderline whether they deserve a mention or not. Um, Brazil's in the best form he's been in for fuck knows how long. And if he yeah. doesn't get a New South Wales jersey, I'll be very surprised. Um, he should probably be starting in that back row, really. Uh, he's formed in these first two rounds. If he can keep that going for another eight to ten rounds, he should be locked in to start in the back row. And it he's sounds like fantastic. he's loving life. Like, he's it just fit. sounds like he's, he's loving moving life. well. Yeah. He's got that offload and the short pass back. I think it's got a lot to do with Gay Guy being on his 100%. Outside. He's I got think some we've, cavalry you know, with him. We've, um, I've completely underestimated. I've always had big raps on both of those two, and I didn't even think about the fact that they're going to be lining up against it beside each other for this Newcastle team. I know we had the issues around their halves and all the rest of it, but those two have made massive inroads down that right-hand side, both these two games, and have led directly to their wins. Um, Gay Guy was close to the best on the field again. Um, he's, I'm guessing he's taken that 
uh, Queensland jersey and he's just wearing it all the time underneath the Newcastle jersey as well. I don't know what's going on there. Leo Thompson looks like he's going to be a superstar in a few years from now. He's a big body, runs hard. He's got that mongrel that I was talking about that you need. He wants to run over the top of people and he's doing a good job. Um, a young fellow, Crocker, again, came off the bench for the Knights and made an impact through the middle. He used to absolutely bash through the middle and there was no coming back from that. Um, as you mentioned, Knights probably should have won by another 20 on top of the 22 that they already won by. But, yeah, uh, Frizzell, three points, Gay Guy with two, and I gave Randall or Leo Thompson the one. I would have gone with uh, Safedi. I thought he had a really good game as well. Yeah, but, yeah, he did. He did. Uh, Gump, do you, do you have anything to add to this? Or we've all just... Uh, not, not overly, like... The players for the Knights were good, and, and you got to bear in mind too, no Ponger and no Clemmer for the Knights as well. Like, you know, you said, it's 20, 26 to six. If Ponger plays, he's probably another couple of tries, and I don't think the score reflected the difference between the two teams. I think there was more than twenty points difference. That's what I'm saying. Twenty-two okay. points difference between the two teams. I think it probably flattered the Tigers. The score in the end, and commentate and I know commentators are paid to get keep people watching but some of the the guff uh, they were talking about the tigers and and effort in certain areas and God, stuff bullshit. I didn't see it I didn't see effort like there were effort from some blokes and I know they made 379 tackles according to the stats or whatever but please a lot of those tackles I tell you now a lot of those tackles versus Newcastle had no attack they they were just going left and right yeah. as well uh, Ollie you want to move on or do you something else? No. Good to, I mean, uh, we've pretty much summed it up, haven't we? Like, I think, yeah. So, um, all I'll say is a lot of us predicted Newcastle get the spoon this year, and no. I'll put my hand up and say well, they're wrong. They will, yes, I did. And um, <laughs> they're almost top. They're all, If they keep playing this, they're almost top eight because they will be, they'll beat up Canberra. They'll beat up Canberra. Their teams, they'll beat up. And that edge has got a lot to do with it. Clifford Daly and Metal. Off with it. I, I thought it on. was one of the games of the round, actually, if not the game around. Bulldogs 10 going down to the Broncos 16. Barney, some stats, and then I'll let Gump have the floor for his, his side. Yeah, so we had two tries to three, one out of two conversions for the Dogs, two out of three for the Broncos. A missed penalty goal. Uh, we had 75% completion from both seats, both sides even. 31 out of 41 sets, played 27 out of 36. 500 plus run meters and 110 post contact meters for the dogs over the Broncos. Six line breaks to three, 38 tackle busts to 29, 20 offloads to two, three force dropouts to zero. Well, that's a shutout <laughs> for most teams, mm-hmm. but we move on. Zero 40 20s, 283 tackles played, 383, one ruck infringement from both teams. Zero inside the tens, three penalties conceded by the dogs, six conceded by the Broncos, 12 errors to nine. Jeremy Marshall King made 35 tackles. Ricky made 50. Dufty with 203 run meters. And Herbie Farnsworth with 262 run meters. Burton made 14 tackles, missed four. Staggs made 21 and missed six. And Ockenball made three and missed three. And Gumpy, how good was Corey Waddell? Actually, I potted him last week. (laughs) He had a very good game this week. But all of the bull we talked you spoke about we spoke about Mungrel for the Tigers. They probably need a bit what both these teams have got because they ripped and teared in the middle. I know that there was 
TPJ sort of started that off, and but there was some scores to settle, I think. But all of the forwards for the the Bulldogs and and the Broncos, and the Broncos all, yep. all stood up. I, I look, I think the Bulldogs probably deserved to win the game, and. You know, there were some decisions that didn't go their way, but they're probably their own worst enemy. They still lack a bit of polish in terms of, you know, getting the ball over the line. Burton was held up over the line at an important stage and probably should have got the ball down. It was good defence by the Broncos to, to hold him up. There was a few other opportunities that the Bulldogs had, even the, the cover up from Albert Kelly on the on the last play. Mm. He you saw him run from the other side of the field to get to that. That that's an effort in the 80th minute when both teams were gassed. The Stags one was the yeah. Stags one was massive. The, the to hold him up. He was not yeah. even in the frame. Not in the frame when he made that break. The, the Al, Albert Kelly's Correct. saved yeah. the game there because yeah. the Bulldogs score. Definitely, like, if Kelly wasn't there, there were three Bulldogs players there. They only had to pick up the ball and yep. probably run around under the post and we get to Golden Point. Um, look, I'm pleased with the effort of the Bulldogs, as I've said before. If they get, like, Jake Avarillo is a good kid. He's a good player, but he's not a seven. I think they get a seven and they don't play Ockenbohr, then... Look, and, and Ockenbohr is a big body and probably may play first grade at some point down the track. But every time, every time the ball goes to that side of the field, he runs in. Every time. The first try, when Albert Kelly kicked to Oates, like Fed Ingham, he was inside the centre. If he stood there and put his arms up, he's eight foot tall. He would have caught it. The kick didn't go any higher than yeah, six yeah. foot Absolutely. to get over him. Like, if he's in position, then they don't score that try. He got gassed by Farnworth as well on the outside. It's just... And Farnworth's not the fastest player in the comp by any means. But, you know, I'm... Look, I'm happy but unhappy they didn't get the two points. Would have been nice, you know, you have at least... Give us a couple of weeks where... They're in the eight and unbeaten and sort of <laughs> at, the, at the top of the comp and, and it all unravels. something to, to sort of cheer about because the next four or five weeks they're playing teams that are yeah. looking like they're probably going to be the better teams in the comp. So hopefully maybe Manly and South aren't going that good and may Jag wins against those teams or at least good performances. Um, yeah, but look, I thought it was Jeremy Marshall King's best game for the club in, in terms of, of how he went. I, Paul Vaughan was was really good this week, didn't make errors. TPJ was good. Look, anybody that thinks Matt Burton's not a quality footballer is not watching the same game as me. Yeah, Matt absolutely. Burton, even with those kicks, he's, I, I have he's not seen any, ahead of the Bulldogs team. Um, I know that, Dag, I think you intimated earlier that you probably going to mention Ado Carr and just the enthusiasm that he brings and and the, the talk and the system that he comes out of and he's, he's a winner and you can see that in the way that he goes about what's going on. Like other than Ockenbohr, I don't think the Bulldogs had a bad player and I don't know the Broncos had a bad player either in, in sort of looking through probably Staggs as underwhelming is probably him and Passett, Payne Hass are the two stars of the Broncos team. And I don't think Staggs in either game this year's really fired a shot. He didn't have to do anything to score that try. All he had to do was put it down. He dropped it. 
Um, Adam Reynolds was good in his first game for the Broncos. You know what you're getting with, with Reynolds. Um, maybe Albert Kelly is the answer. Um, there, he, At least he's fit. He's fit and firing. Yeah, and, and you know, he put it over the kick to, to score the try. He yeah, saved, yeah, yeah. Probably saved the game in the end. Three to one would be tough because kick. I think they're all very mm-hmm. even. But, um, yeah, it was a good game. It was a good game to watch. That's the closest good. of the scores made it good. The quality of the footy sort of made it good. Look, if you were a casual observer of rugby league and you watched that, you would have thought it was two pretty decent teams playing each other. It's, like, yeah, they both look like that if they played like that, they wouldn't be out of place in seventh or eighth spot. It felt to yeah. me, it, yeah, it, the intensity felt to me watching it. Slothy in my hammock before the... Uh, Japanese encephalitis kicked in out to come inside was uh, this felt like an almost finals clash intensity. It was a higher tempo game, really enjoyable footy, good footy, by and large smart footy. It was just two good teams playing good footy. This wasn't clinical. That it was wasn't the- clinical, but they'll yeah. try. The effort was there, and uh, I would. And, and you mentioned before, Gump Bulldogs playing South Samoa the next two weeks. I'd be wary of Souths, but they'll they'll tell Manly if they turn up and play. Like they'll tell Manly if they turn up and play this way. Well, I'll tell you, you should get on, Daggy, because at the moment one team's a dollar twenty-five and another team's four dollars. So I'll be having so is that is that dead set this yep. week? Yep, Manly are a dollar twenty-five. The Bulldogs are three eighty or four dollars. I'll take four dollars any day of the week, and I'll take it with the Lions. So I'll get five bucks head to head. I can't wait because they will smash Manly if they play this. Because Manly are not in the same postcode the way they're going. Matt Burton, I haven't seen as good a bomb kicking as uh, Benji Marshall used to do the spiral torps that used to. Or obviously, nothing apart from no, he's Nathan got Cleary. Benji covered. I, apart from Nathan said, Cleary, but those yeah. spiral torps at Benji at his best. But um, incredible, like just great to watch. Had them in all sorts. Um, Dufty's still a bit left to rightish. He's still a bit of a floater, yeah, but that's what he is. What he is. That's that's what he is. But I, I can't knock anyone else in his team. Paul Vaughan was good. Let's go down the lineup. Um, they were all good. Josh Jackson's actually got a bit of a, a bit of fresh legs in him with this team around him because he's actually passing a bit more and um, he's, being a bit more he's trying to do a bit of a, he's just, a Murray. Uh, yeah, he's trying to he's trying to do that. I was I was impressed. They looked like they looked fitness wise, intensity wise, like a top eight team. As did Brisbane, which I'll get to. And a Brisbane fullback was sensational. Palace was great. Haas is obviously pain Haas. Um, well. I thought Palace had more metres now. See a Manafangai from the Bulldogs. Realistically, the bloke played 16 minutes, had one hit up for six metres or whatever it was. Like, you're a front rower, mate. Your job's to, you know, 16 yep. minutes. should be having four or five hit-ups yep. at least. I want to wrap Carrigan yeah. again. Carrigan Made was, a couple of tackles. I thought but... Carrigan's touches and Carrigan's defence was outstanding. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, Jordan Ricky will yes. be something in time. Uh, his runs were great. He, uh, his stats don't look great, but his runs were very good. And Capel being there... Um, Apparently, he ran 30 metres, but he was better than that, I thought. It's just a clean-up work just from a, people. He just, uh, they, they have a very nice pack now. Uh, Stag, and once Stags, surely Stags comes good and adds something there. Reynolds had his, Reynolds played in a dinner suit, made some really good tackles, made a, a try-saving tackle there at one point um, where he wrapped up, um, was it Braden Burns out on the outside there? Where Yeah. Yeah. Um, Corey Oates looked like a... a, a, a a flashback to his former self. So both teams, I, I am excited. Both teams, um, 
because there's I think there's anyway so I think there is um sorry our Facebook page is being bombarded probably a DDS um I think there's a lot to take this game for both teams and they will beat a lot of the geeks that we've just spent a lot of time talking about uh and if you're I think Gumpy you can be confident you're looking at a eight a seven eight nine spot for dogs and I think Broncos I would put money on to make the eight now Ollie. Uh, well, I still hope the Bulldogs don't make the eight. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, for me, uh, Jordan Ricky in particular, uh, I, I'm not saying he was the best player on the field. There's multiple people you could pick from, but his effort, you spoke about him running, but def- defensively he was like, he put in a lot of work. Did he, he get something like 40, 50 tackles? Like he, I thought the work that he was doing in defense, and like 50, 50 tackles. Yeah. Yeah, like a lot of his work in defence is what kept the Bulldogs out and part of the reason why Brisbane won the game, I thought. Like I, I was really impressed by the effort from him and that work he was putting in. Um, Herbie as well, obviously, I know he, he wasn't um, up against the, the best opposition, but he looked really good, as did like Corey Oates. They both ran for I don't know how, how many I know Herbie was up over 200 meters but it seemed like Oates was uh, running a fair bit there as well um, so that's good to see from Brisbane uh, I also thought Haas put in a it was weird uh, Oates Haas cleared put, 200 and Selwyn mm-hmm. did not much else ah, yeah. but um, Payne Haas put in a Payne Haas performance but he wasn't the man of like the clear cut man of the match for once and I think that's honestly a big positive for Brisbane because he could still put in these monumental efforts. Although this week probably wasn't as big as his best, but still he was there. He was involved. He put in, yeah, a pain house performance, but Brisbane was still as a team not being carried by him. I think at least for them, that's huge. I've still got him down for two points, realistically. Bloke made 16 hit-ups, 30-odd tackles. Um, only missed one, I think, offloads and tackle busts. And he's just an absolute machine. Um, it's, you know, if they left, if they leave him on for 80 minutes every week, he'd be probably top of the stats in just about every position on the field by the time he put, you know, by the time the season ended. But yeah, he, he's an absolute superstar, Payne Haas. Um, you mentioned Ricky. I've had some pretty good raps on that guy for ever since he even started in his debut, realistically. And um, he's got a bit of footwork too. So don't be surprised if he starts carving a few teams open on the edges there. Um, the fact that he made 50 tackles and his spot man was TPJ, who also had a really strong game in this one. And he was the guy who had the mark to beat a penguin with um, Avrilo Burton on his inside. So did a lot of work, made sure that, um, you know, they, they kept to beat a penguin as quiet as they possibly could. The dogs probably realistically should have won. The one thing I still don't understand out of the Bulldogs, you know that you don't have, you can't, you don't have that sweet play out the back where most teams do. It goes from Avrilo to Burton. It gets there slow. Burton then either has to kick in behind the line or dig in and try and find a hole for somebody else. Why aren't you just lining up Hetherington, Tavita Penguai Jr., um, the, the blokes on the other side, and just running straight hard lines, putting a bloke on the inside and the outside of your ball players, and just running directly as hard as you possibly can straight at the line? Because that's realistically that's a Bulldogs go for the rest of the year. They just have to run harder 
and tackle harder than the opposition team because they don't have the finesse to put points on when they're struggling. No. So just man up and just run over the top of people because they've got blokes in that team that can do it. Yeah, they're just yeah. not a team that when they get momentum, score three or four tries like most other teams in the comp. Yeah. Like most other teams in the comp, when they've got that momentum that goes their way, they put 18 or 20 points on, the Bulldogs don't. Yeah, you've got to so, say 12 is a good result. How do we then own them again and start again? They've got to Put learn. Big boys on either side of your ball players, and just run those straight lines. And if it's you know, most of the time you give it to them, and they get a quick play of the ball, and you work off the back of that. Or the time that you see something on the outside, you play to the to your outsides, and you probably score points out there as well. But Ockenball realistically lost you this game. Um, I think there was two of the Broncos tries came directly from Ockenball just doing stupid stuff. Coming off his wing, dropping, as you mentioned, not putting his hands up and contesting a ball that he realistically should have pulled down and probably ran 50 metres the other direction. But like that's the concern, Daggy, I guess, with you wanting to back the Bulldogs at $4. If Ockham Ball plays against Manly, Sarb might score five just, tries. Yeah, yeah. 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 And Turbo runs it at that side of the field, and Ockham Ball keeps running in. Yeah. He's not the smart sharpest. And we've talked about the Melbourne system. You have Lumi Lumi sitting there who has performed at that level in final situations. And is it, yeah. Similar size bloke as well. So if you're worried about missing out on that big body out on the wing, well, Well, he's worth a go. You can't do any worse at the moment. I feel like there's, I feel like, yeah, I feel like the Sprook's keeping Okabora in a team and that's it. Well, I think it's a four year old Sprook. I think Lumi Lumi's offing you more. I agree, I agree. Because he's a jumper. Until he goes he, into the back row. He's fast. A Lumi Lumi's a jumper. And um, can defend. So Yeah, I'd, I'd put Ockenball back to reserve grade. And, and so go back to him. Yellows on him and the, put him in at 12 or 11 or they've 17 got their back or row whatever. they got their back row covered. I'd, I'd leave him out at this point. Like last week, you couldn't not have... Waddell or Hedrington <laughs> or TPJ on an edge and Fatala Mariner when he comes back and Blake's like that. I think that they're covered in that you know, area. It is. You know, it you is. know what? It's, it's, the, it's the fact they've stood by a bloke for three years through what he went through and they feel obliged to play him. And, yeah. and moving forward, even Barney for the back row, they've got Vili Kikau coming next year. Yeah. So he's not going to He's not going to be Tigers. in the team before Vili Kikau. So I'd, I'd cut my losses and probably just play him in Get Reggie. Him. And not even that because then you've got – well. Off this performance, Marshall King's not going to be starting nine next year. So is your fourteen? You got you you're like probably. you've only got so many spots. Yeah, that's what I mean. So you probably got to they got to cut their losses now and and say even if there's a team that wants a winger or or someone like that now and say well maybe go and play for them. Ockenball, yeah. we don't have a spot for you. That's probably in England. England, well, England. I, I, can't, like I can't think of. There's no team that would want him right now. Hey, well. Yeah, who knows? I'd have him on the wing before Ken Mamalo. That be is honest. true. That is true. All right, three, two, one. Yep. Anything else to add to this um, this chat before we get on with? Um, oh, well, final Max thoughts King on that. Luke Thompson probably should be starting front row for the Dolphins. Oh, Maxi King. Max, can, can you? Power. Yeah, can you? Yeah, talk us. Put Vaughn back to the bench and Waddell back to the bench and just get Max King and Luke Thompson. Talk out us there through Max go. King. We're going to wind you up for fifty minutes and just go as hard as you possibly can. 
he doesn't he doesn't take a backward step as I mentioned before for the Tigers mate he is just an absolute mongrel you give him the ball he flies off the back fence if someone comes near him he tries to put him on their ass he doesn't just try for to, an offload like doesn't try doesn't... to grab him and hold him and wrestle with him he just tries to smack him onto their back like mate fuck I know he didn't play a lot of time at the Titans but he looks like he's a genuine genuine tough front rower and In deserves a spot. system as well. Ollie, nothing else. So I had um, Herbie for three, just because he, yeah. you know, scored a try he probably shouldn't have, and ran a lot, a lot of meters, and made a couple of blokes look silly. I had Hass with two points, and then I had either um, Burton or TPJ for the one. I give Burton the one. Gump, you, you, uh, yeah, look, probably take your glasses off the rose ones. It's probably probably <laughs> about right in terms of. Herbie and Payne, I'd probably go Payne has three. I actually would have given, I actually would have given Payne three as well, but because I thought he, yeah, but he's he is Payne house, so go Herbie three, Payne two, yeah. and uh, Burton one. Yep. Let's wrap this up with our, and what we might start doing from next week is let's throw your salutes and slaps and braves into our match reviews. Into so the drop games. them in, yeah, okay. yeah, that, right. that's a little bit more homework for you, but uh, let's get to this. Who's got a braith this week? Ollie. Well, I do have a Braith, but I also have a, a quick little bit on Braith. And uh, I saw it <laughs> right before we started recording this fine show here tonight. And I saw Dan and Kerr dropped it in the chat as well. But it, it's so hilarious that I just had to bring it up on 360. Uh, the panel <laughs> yes. were talking about the Tigers, as you'd expect after that performance. And Braith and Asta said, I'm pretty much quoting him here. For years now, the Tigers have overpaid for players who have under-delivered. Hmm. <laughs> there was one player that the Tigers overpaid for at the very end of their career who under-delivered by, for them by playing about six games in two years because he was injured the rest of the time. Mm. I wonder. And a year before uh, that, knocked us out of the 2011. The back rower from the storm. Don't just out of the 2011 semi. Oh no, not it's not Adam Blair. It's Brayton Astor. But um, <laughs> no, I know who he's talking about. Oh. Adam Blair runs a close second. It, it's it's peak Braith. It. It's just peak Braith. But um, well, speaking of Braith, my Braith is Ricky Stewart, and I pretty much brought up why before. Uh, your team putting in that performance against again, the team who I still think will be the worst team in the competition this year. It's unacceptable. All the off-field uh, off stuff that's happened over the past two years, it's blatantly obvious his team doesn't like him. It's time to cut your losses, Ricky, and, I don't know, go coach the Brumbies or something. <laughs> um, just quickly, I want to butt in, and just uh, I, we did have a question direct from, from Dane, and even with how shit the Raiders are, is Starling worth the hooker risk? Yes. Super coach. In super coach, absolutely is. Um, puts up forty to fifty points generally most weeks in um, in base stats. He he makes tackles. He misses a few here and there, but yeah, he's still going to do his job week in week out. At, I think he's only around three hundred and fifty k. If you can pick him up for three to four weeks, make one hundred and fifty k on him and move him on. He's definitely not someone you're going to keep in your team for the rest of the year, but someone there that can make money. And when they if he you know, he's going to set up a try or two every now and then as well. So, Gumpy. Okay, cool, Gump. Thanks. Um, <laughs> I didn't, you, you oh. cut out. I didn't, yeah. uh, is Tom Starling worth a super coach risk? Oh, I won't pick him because I've already got 
Harry Grant and I've Green got Money in teams. So. Yeah, yeah. If you're looking for a second hooker, uh, I you can do worse if you're really struggling to spend 300k. Is what I say. I, I have same as you. You want to find place. 100k is probably worth the risk, but yeah. Anyway, um, Braith's uh, Gumpy. Uh, look, there's a there's a few <laughs> this week, but I'm going for Ash Taylor. Ash Taylor's done. Like, don't pick him again. Like. He, the Warriors have thrown him a lifeline, and he must have he, trained really well. He missed more tackles than he made. They've got other people around. Like I don't know if Nick Arima was injured or whatever this weekend, or unavailable. No, he got dropped, apparently. Well, that's what I mean. Nick Arima's a better proposition than Ash Taylor. That's complete madness. That's, that's, that's madness. It's and madness. So it's madness to me. And even in the end, play Harris Tavita at seven, Walsh at six, and find another fullback. You can't put Ash Taylor in your team. Nick so, Arima at four. Yeah. yeah, what, whatever. But you can't. The Braith is Ash Taylor for me. You can't. You can't uh, play him. Uh, oh, mine's the man. We just spent fucking ten minutes taking the piss out of Jade Knockenball. <laughs> he does not deserve a spot in first grade. Needs to go back to reserve grade as soon as possible, and can only strengthen the Bulldogs team by moving out of that first grade. By, team. by leaving, <laughs> well, I'm gonna, I can't believe I would never have thought at uh, 9:35 on Friday night I would have had this order myself. But Jackson Paulo's a brace. How do you play on the? How do you play yeah. centre on the south left edge? It'd be that bad. And not do something. I had him. I had him in the message I sent to you. Okay. I just I figured everyone else would name him. So I'm going to pick it up, pick up the but, fumble yeah. ball and run away with it. But Jackson Paulo, honestly. Did he ca- have one touch worth fucking anything? No. I reckon that he, game? I if he catches he and passes, they probably win the game by 12. Johnson would have scored two or three tries if he could fucking yes, catch and pass. 100%. But uh, he gets our breath. Uh, salute and slap, Ollie. I am going to – do you want me to give both? Yeah, go for it. Uh, salute, uh Anthony Hook Griffin for what he's been doing mm. at the Dragons so far this season. Only two rounds in, but I've got to salute him for not picking all the old blokes and actually giving some of the younger guys a go and they're thriving, like Tyrell Sloan, definitely for one. He's the biggest example. Uh, my slap has to go to the Rabbitohs, dropping below 50% completion in the second half. Like, I don't – like. I don't care that they nearly won the game. I don't care that it was against <laughs> Melbourne. Melbourne were average too. To drop below 50% completion rate in a first-grade NRL game, you deserve a slap. I'm going to give I'm going to give a bonus slap again to the judiciary for the fact bonus that they, they can um, carry on about player safety and this and that, and there's still more cannonballs that just get fined. But... um. Hey, that's all right. There's only been 12 ACLs in the first two rounds. Um, my slap is, and this will be the last one because I'm not going to do it all year. It'll be boring. The West Tigers get my final slap this week. Slap a because lot. Because a lot of them can be slapped, and I'm not going to even talk about them anymore if they're that bad. Uh, in terms of a salute, I'm going to salute the team I've been super critical of, both of them actually, but um, the Canterbury Banks and Bulldogs effort. I, I really enjoyed that last game of the weekend. Both teams get a salute for the fact I believe they've both they're both playing good footy and both will be very competitive for the rest of the year. So, uh, so dogs and Brisbane both get salutes in this game, Barn. Oh my salute, Siwa Takiyaho. 
the performance on the weekend was the best performance out of a front rower in the entire weekend. And it's close to one of the best performances I've seen out of anyone for a long time. He just absolutely dominated the middle of the ruck. Um, if you get to add an offload here and there, he'd be an absolute superstar, but he just put his head down, did his work and just trampled all over the manly pack through the middle. And he's a better and, goal kicker than Sam Walker. Yes, yes, he is. And my slaps the Raiders' back line. I've already said it. That was one of the worst in-app performances I've ever seen out of a back line in the NRL for a long time. Couldn't catch the ball, couldn't fucking, couldn't tackle, just absolutely... They should have lost by 50, and that still would have been a pretty good performance considering what that Raiders back line put up in that game. Fair call. And um, I want to echo your, your thoughts with Siswa because I reckon, I think I mentioned the Moe's effort against, was it the Warriors last year? Mm-hmm. They're the two best front row performances I've seen in the last two years, and that was outstanding. Gumpy. I'm going to slap two people, Jason Demetrio for having Cameron Murray start on the bench with no real explanation as to why. Mm. Obviously not injured because he played after that and played just fine. So that's that's a slap for me. He's an 80-minute player. Have him on for 80 minutes. You're putting someone on that's inferior and not getting the Gump, start. But surely, as a coach, Gump, surely it's not that hard to go Right, I've got, the best the, I've got the best lock in the game. That's something I don't need to worry about. Correct. So I'm giving him a slap. He may yeah. have a reason, but I don't see it. And the other slap I'm giving is Ken Mamalo, worst captain's performance ever, uninspiring. There's nothing didn't lead by example. I don't know how much he says, so I'm giving him a slap. I'm going to salute. Tyson Frizzell, he's never looked fitter. He's always been a beast, but even sitting here and sitting with my wife watching the game on whenever the Knights game was, <laughs> and even she mentioned that um, how tight she noticed Tyson Frizzell and, and how good he was going and, and sort of how fit he looked. And, and, and again, opposite to Ken Mamalo, inspirational even when the Knights were doing that breathing thing they do in the middle of the field <laughs> and he was in the middle of the, the circle sort of... Breathing better than anyone and, else. And yeah, yeah breathing harder, <laughs> heavy breather in the... Good on him. Um, I breathe heavier than else too, but I got sent to hospital for it. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's my um, salutes and slaps. Very good, boys. It's been a pleasure. Our first Monday night show of all time. Thank you for joining us. I suppose we're going to do this every Monday. So we will liaise with each other as how this works. We'll be back on Wednesday night with our preview show, as well as some chat about Supercoach and the rest of the happenings around the league world once we get a bit of news. Thank you very much. Anything to add? All good. Have a, have a good good couple of days. Good week. Good work, lads. We will talk to everyone very soon. Stay safe, stay healthy, and see you shortly. Bring on the footy.